Sam, what? you're an Arsenal supporter. I am. Yes, he's a gooner. Do you um, do you know do you know Corey and uh, Adam? No, um, I I didn't plug into the local community at all here. Like just because I'm allergic to six AM. Live from St. Paul, Minnesota, we are the Daves You Know. This is the Daves I Know. You want me to be that type of dude, and I want to be who you like me to, but we both know I can't do nothing at all. back uh we are sam's uh one bill mcguire this week unfortunately his uh his back is acting up again so he's out and not with us um how was uh how was your guys' uh weekends your easter easter weekends i think we're all uh either christians or recovering christians on this podcast so how was uh how was your easters mine was great had a had a zoom with my family and then i Cooked a, a, an amazing uh, autumn meal, and then and then played online chess with my nephew. What did you cook, MJ? I cooked a some human paprika chicken with a uh, hala Italian sausage stuffing with some toasted pecans and dried cherries. And then uh, for the first time, I made uh, mashed sweet and red potatoes with, with, with some some garlic and some ginger ginger cranberry sauce with a little orange juice nice dan how was uh how was your easter it's good it was good i mean it was definitely weird didn't uh didn't really get to hang out with the family like we usually do but uh, uh my sister and her kids along with my folks uh showed up at the house to hide eggs in our backyard so we had a spontaneous easter egg hunt complete with full social distancing so that was like the best of all possible worlds. Is this uh, pre pre snow or post snow? It was it was mercifully it was immediately pre snow. Okay. Because otherwise those eggs would still be out there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, yeah, I mean it was it was good. It was a uh, it sort of fits the uh, was that David Foster Wallace a supposedly fun thing I'll never do again. Yeah. I hope I ne- I hope to never have to do Easter like this again. But the fact that we did it was not the end of the world. It was actually pretty good. Yeah. We. Uh... So we, yeah, we, me and my little brother, um, we're trying to figure out a way to, I think my mom was really like not doing well with the fact that she wasn't going to be able to see both of her grandkids, um, her only grandkids uh, uh, for Easter. Uh, you know, they had both, they were both around last Easter. So it's not like she has never seen, had done Easter with them or whatever before. But um, so me and my little brother talked, we came up with this idea to like, like hide eggs in their backyard, like with like pictures of like, you know, my, you know, Ragnar and my, my niece Emerson, and then maybe some pictures of like pictures of my little brother, um, uh, like in their backyard. And then I realized it was going to, we were going to have like, you know, six inches of snow. I was like, Oh, it's probably not a good idea to go into the backyard and hide Easter eggs for my parents. <laughs> but we did, yeah, we did the zoom call. We did zoom calls with them and, and my family, my immediate family. And then 
and on her immediate family. That was again, as Dan alluded to, that was a that was a weird to you know not do a a, a regular family event with uh, with the regular family. But you know, I made a kick-ass uh, potato salad. So awesome! Next time, I, next time I see you guys, I'll I'll make sure to make some kick-ass potato salad for you. So hell yeah, I'm gonna hold you to that. Right on. Um, so I'm drinking, uh, and uh, that brings us to our uh, Patreon pitch. Um, guys, we're hopefully we're going to talk a little bit about this in you know after our uh, segment with the plastics, but uh, talk about the hop clouds. Um, they're doing, uh, they're making more and more beers for us. I actually need to tell you, gentlemen, about a beer that we're going to be having. Um, they're dropping off for me on Sunday, so I'm going to figure out how to get it to you before the podcast next week. But uh, if you want to. Get involved with the Daves I Know, uh, patreon.com backslash the Daves I Know. I know right now is a super tough time. Um, lots of people need a lot of help. Um, we have a Patreon that helps support the work that we're doing. Um, and as part of our Patreon tiers and benefits, we are going to give you some beer. Uh, starting at $3 a month, we hook you up with a bomber uh, made from the fine folks, by the fine folks of Hot Clouds. They're at Hot Clouds on Twitter. Um, their beers are fantastic. Uh, the, the smooth operator was both smooth and operated on me very well. Um, so yeah, so get involved. Patreon.com backslash Daves I know to help support the Daves that you know. And now uh, let's check in with Anna and Meredith from uh, the Plastic Success Juice. You want me to be that type of dude, and I want to be who you like me to, but we. All right, and we are joined by uh, two members of the Plastics um, joining us today, uh, Meredith Miklas and Anna Daly. Uh, welcome to the Daves I Know. Hello. Hey, thanks for having us. Pleasure. Cool. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for thanks for coming on. Um, we're, we're way cooler than the people we usually hang out with. So that is we're pretty it's, cool. It's usually just us, so that says a lot. Um, cool. So uh, the Plastics are. Uh, if you're not familiar with the Plastics. Um, they are a super awesome, uh, relatively newer uh, uh, supporter group. Um, why don't you tell us, uh, Meredith and Anna, tell us a little bit about uh, the Plastics, how you got started, why you got started, and uh, sort of your mission and everything. Meredith, you want to take this? Totally. Um, so I've been involved in MLS for the past few years. Um, last year, I actually served on the ISA board for the Chicago Fire, Section 8 Chicago. I was their marketing director. Um, I have some general experience in the Chicago soccer community as a whole. I was, up until last week, a board member of Chicago Gooners, the Arsenal supporters group. So, you know, I do have uh, experience in organization and the soccer community. Um, even though we all may support different Premier League teams and, you know, other, te- other leagues across the world, you know, we all do bond over the fire. And that community is almost greater than any other Chicago soccer community as a whole. Um, but, you know, being being a woman, and um, I'm also a sex worker, I'm an online dominatrix, I'll put that out there, because that, that definitely, it has a lot to do with kind of issues I've faced and other people have faced. But, um, you know, being a woman and being a woman who doesn't fit into that, like, cookie cutter role that's expected of a, of a woman supporter, um, you know, and also seeing things my friend, my friends faced, you know, just whether they dress up for games or they don't take shit from men or they're trans or, you know, it's just a whole different experience of supporterdom and we all support the same. 
So I, I got, I got to the, basically the highest, you know, part of the food chain in Chicago soccer. I mean, you can't go much higher than the ISA board other than working for the fire itself. Um, and I saw that, you know, the view from the top was pretty fucking terrible. So I decided to step down. I actually, my experiences were so bad. I ended up in therapy for the first time in over a decade. Um, and you know, I, I have, I have friends who don't feel safe going to matches. Um, I have, I have a friend, she's a journalist. Um, she, she came out as trans and went through that whole experience and transition while supporting a fire. And, you know, she doesn't feel safe going to matches because of what she's experienced. And she's so passionate and amazing. And it's like, I want her next to me at matches. I'm selfish. I want people to feel safe. So anyway, I could talk about, I could, I could keep going on this subject for hours, but basically the community was toxic. Things were unsafe and that doesn't sit well with me. I, I faced harassment on a personal level and someone trying to out my career and shame me amongst the masses and I decided to take my power back and be really open about my job. And then a lot of people judge me, both, both you know, men and women, because I like to wear pencil skirts and I wear a full face of makeup. I used to be at Arsenal matches. At, you know, Dan, you said that you were allergic to 6 a.m. I used to be at 6 a.m. matches at the Globe Pub in Chicago with a full face of makeup, pencil skirt, contour, highlighter, everything. And everyone was always just like, Meredith, like, we love it, but you're ridiculous. And then I had these, these people who celebrated how ridiculous I was. Then I go to the fire community and I'm just getting mean mugged and people won't talk to me or they think I'm a slut or, you know, and it's just unacceptable. So I made a joke on Twitter that was like, um, you know, I'm starting a supporters group called The Plastics and the only qualification is you have to take 45 minutes or longer to get ready. And my co-founder Catherine saw it and about a week later she messaged me and she's like, we should really do something with this. Like the MLS community as a whole is, you know, it, it just, it, it, women and queer people need, need a space and we need to feel okay to be themselves. And then we created the social media accounts later that day. And here we are. So there you go. That's all this well, stupid pot. Yeah, sorry for that. Yeah. No, Anna and I were discussing earlier how we both have a lot of feelings and we get really excited. <laughs> no, that's, that's fantastic. That's, that's, that's great. That's actually how the stupid podcast started was me and my buddy, David, we're like, oh, let's talk about the uh, expansion draft of drafts for Minnesota United. And uh, we decided to record it on Periscope and like 10 people watched us while we sat in a bar and drank. And, and then all of a sudden we're like, fuck, we should probably do a podcast. So um, I think best, the best stuff happens on Twitter. So, um, And that's Anna, who we found, Anna. Hello. Yeah, Anna, Anna, you, found us. Anna found you guys. Why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, your involvement and, and what you've done? Because I know you've done a lot of stuff here locally for Minnesota United and, and the mm -hmm. supporters group around Minnesota as well. So, Yeah, so uh, what ended up happening was uh, I it was a couple days after they started the Twitter account. Um, I'm, you know, on Twitter like I typically am. And I noticed it and I'm like, oh, wow, this is something that's like super close to what I <laughs> – we've already been doing right with the dark literati so uh what i ended up i at first it just wanted i wanted to do just a graphic design thing right i was like ah fuck it i'll just make a scarf you know that sounds like a fun thing to do so that's what i started with i designed that and um i was like you know i i think i actually need to get myself involved with this more uh so i was sending messages i don't actually know who i was talking to when i was sending it was you okay i, I didn't know who it was just a few people on the plastics uh, twitter account um but yeah i was messaging back and forth for a little bit that night and i'm at one point i'm just like you know what can i just do you have a slack do you have do you have some way where i can just like be part of this and help out 
and uh, it all just kind of went from there. I joined it, and now I've been working, helping on the moderation side of things, and um, and still just doing random graphic design stuff for the team. Like I designed all the uh, individual team logos. If you saw those for each and every MLS team, plus Minneapolis City, plus Forward Madison, those awesome. are the only extra ones that I'm going to do because there's <laughs> way too many damn teams out there. Um, but yeah. Uh, it was a lot of fun. And then, um, yeah, that's just kind of where it's gone from there. Cool. Uh, um, so tell me a little bit more about the, the actual, like, SG itself. Like, how many members? Um, you know, where are you guys? Are you, obviously, you're based in Chicago, Meredith. I know Anna's based up here in Minnesota. You are, where else are you guys? So, um, you know, there's, so there's, like, kind of some distinctions to be made here. Um, and we, we had, we, Anna actually had a brilliant idea of um, eventually on our website, we want to provide resources for people, you know, across MLS to be able to start their own supporters groups and kind of provide a blueprint for each team because what it comes down to is each team has different, you know, red tape that you have to go through. There's a lot of unofficial supporters groups. People can always go that route. You know, the plastics are a recognized supporters group with the Chicago fire. Like we are an official supporters group. We have a physician on the supporters council. We are recognized. Um, and we had that discussion, you know, with Anna where we're like, okay, like, are you, do you want to, you know, take on the role of starting the Plastics SG or, you know, since the Dark Glitterati started before us and basically were us before we ever even were a thought, I'm like, you know, the, the Dark Glitterati is perfectly representative of who we are and what we're trying to do. Yeah. So, I'd actually talk on that real quick is that when we were first defining what the Plastics were going to be. I actually referenced the uh, mission statement for the Dark Literati. Awesome. And we actually use that as the basis for what we define the plastics as. So like there was some questions about certain things like allies and stuff like that. And I'm like, well, we've already answered a lot of these questions with the Dark Literati stuff. And so we use that to, to go forward to kind of just spread things. So like the partnership between the Dark Literati and the plastics, it, it isn't so much a partnership so much as it, it's like they are fighting for the exact same thing yeah so it, it's like it's beyond affiliate between those two groups and that's what i really love about it and i think that's what we want like that's what we want to encourage like there's some in confusion confusion like oh you you want plastics chapters all over the ml all over mls no we just want other groups like the plastics and the mm -hmm. dark glitterati you know the dark glitterati do an amazing job of representing minnesota united and i hope to do even half as good of a job in chicago as they've done in Minnesota, you know, but like we want people, we want women and queer people to do their own thing. We want you to start your own SGs. So um, to, to go back to like your original question. So we, we have over a thousand followers on Twitter. We've only been around for a month. Um, I checked our Slack on my computer a couple days ago. We have a Slack channel for anyone who wants to join. Um, we have about 85 members on Slack and that's wow. across the league. I, I don't even think we have like, I don't even think there's like a there's a club whose supporters like dominate the plastics. It's literally. I mean, would you agree, Anna? Yeah, there's nothing like it's all over the place with the with the members. There, I mean, we have like a we have like an introduction thread, right? And like people will post what team they support, and it's it's been all over the place. So yeah, and we awesome. hope that we hope to use that Slack channel as like a method for people to be like, okay, like this person and this person and this person, you know live in Colorado. We're all rapid supporters. There's, you know, I mean, I'm, I don't know if there's a group like this for the rapids, you know, but just yeah. using that as an example, Sure. maybe we should all get together and like talk to our team or talk to other 
SGs or the ISA board and figure out how to do something like this on our own. So that's really the goal is to like just inspire other people. Like I'm going to be working on the ground in Chicago as the plastics SG of the Chicago fire. You know, Anna's very much involved in the dark glitterati. Um, our other, I believe um, Catherine, who is the co-founder, she is an RSL supporter. She'll be, you know, once the season starts up again, she'll be, or we go to next season, whatever, it may, wherever the cards fall. Um, she'll be like putting in the effort to like start the plastics chapter there. And then we have our other mod, Valeria from LAFC. You know, she's involved in leadership positions. Um, so it's, it's just, it's just a, it's just a building. It's, it's something to build off of and just inspire people to claim spaces within their community. So that's kind of where our membership stands. Cool. It, it's a little complex, but like <laughs> no. we hope to help people understand more about like what it is and what we're trying to do. And that, that obviously makes a ton of sense, especially considering that, you know, the becoming a, 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 an official or unofficial support group is so different from club to club across MLS. There's no, you know, standard, yeah, we can't tell you how to do it, but we yeah. can, you know, find contacts for those clubs and we can ask them what it, what is your process and we can, you know, if it's, if it's okay with them, we can post that process and provide resources, which once again was a really great idea that Anna contributed. That's something yeah, I never thought of. Yeah, that's definitely one of our end goals is to have, like, provide as much as we possibly can for any person who wants to create a supporter group exactly like <coughs> what, what we're talking about here, right? is to make the next Dark Literati, the next Plastics, is to make that individual team supporter group that is fighting for women and queer people. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, I should say I'm also, I'm a member, well, technically my son is a member of Dark Literati. He is 15, the youngest member. Almost 15 Aww. months old. Uh, he'll be 15 months at the end of the week here. Uh, yeah, he's, he's a member it's of so, Dark Literati. It's so, does, does he have, didn't he have like stickers on his, uh, on his uh, uh, earphone or his uh, what? What were they? The the things blocking sound. Oh yeah, the yeah his earmuffs or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Yes, he did. Yeah. So 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 cute. Love yeah. it. Yeah. Um, cool. So I guess some kind of a, a semi-related question, and I know MJ has a few other questions, and I have a bunch of other stuff too. So what's like the if you say you've been around, you've been doing this thing for a month. What's like what's the thing that you've learned that's been like the most frustrating, or or the, something that you've learned that like you just didn't even expect that you would need to to pick up and know um, starting a supporter group. Do you want to go ahead, Anna? Uh, let's see here. What have I learned? Um, kind of like the need, like the need. Oh yeah. Actually I do have an answer for this. Cut out all this stuff. So, okay. <laughs> uh, so yeah, what I've learned, um, the, the, I think the biggest thing that I've learned throughout all this is that there were just so many people that needed something like this. Like, you know, we had done it in Minnesota. We, we've been working on this and it's grown. We, we have people, we have members, but I think understanding that, you know, nationally, this is also something that needs to be done. And I, I think that's the thing that I've learned the most about this is just that it, it's so important <laughs> and it's really something that we have to fight for. To quote a shitty baseball movie, if you build it, they will come. <laughs> Exactly right, and that's <laughs> really what happened. How, we did, we did not expect how fast it would uh, it happened. Um, I I agree with what Anna said. I think I've been describing it as bittersweet because it's amazing to like bring this community together and bring all of these people together that felt ignored, harassed, excluded from you know their own supporters. We're not even talking like oh you don't get along with your rivals and they called you names. No, we're talking like amongst your own club supporters. 
So it's great to see this community being built and it's great to see this empowerment and it's great to see each other, even if we may be rivals, have each other's backs against like the, in the bigger scheme of things. Um, but then it is also, it just makes me sad because I, I knew how bad it was in Chicago. I did not realize how bad it was across the league itself. And the way I, I put it to a lot of people, especially my um, Premier League supporters, supporter friends is MLS is you know happy birthday MLS 25 years old MLS is still in its infancy MLS is it's it may not be as grassroots as USL but like you can still like I I have a zoom meeting tomorrow you know with the Chicago Fire and the supporters council like you can still have a seat at the table you can still work to change things for the future and to make a safe space so it's like, why aren't we doing the work now? It's still young. Like, it's not, it's not like the Premier League that has its issues where it's like, okay, you're going to have to rewrite 100 years of history and different wars and, you know, political changes. It's like, this is 25 years old. Like, I'm 30. I'm older than MLS, you know? I think every, everyone is older than MLS. So I've changed a lot in my 30 years of existence. Why can't MLS change too? You're here. 100%, yeah. Um, cool, cool. So I guess I'll just, I'll, a question here, then I'll, I'll sort of let, uh, MG or Dan take it for, for a little bit here, but, um, how stupid is it that Minnesota and Chicago don't play two times a year every year? Yeah, what um, the hell? That is such a, such a great rivalry. Obviously it's really close. I mean, we last, love you guys here. Last year, um, we, I know me and my wife and my son took the train down. Like two oh. years before that, you guys had come up, a bunch of Chicago Fire supporters did you, had come um, up on the train. Not to interrupt, but did you, um, did you attend the event at Empirical Brewery? Uh, no, because we, so we actually, we, we got off just, we got off in Wisconsin and stayed in Madison overnight. The oh, night okay. before. My, my in-laws live in Madison. So, and then they took care of, they watched our kid and we drove down to Chicago and all that, but um, have done some of the, the Rock Against Racism shows. I know mm -hmm. we're planning on doing a really awesome kick-ass show here, up here before Obviously, this season went to shit, and we're probably not going to play you guys this year. Um, so yeah, so it's it's, it's I just, that's it's, I mean, it's more of a statement than a question, but it's how stupid is it that we don't? And I think that's probably going to change. I actually have a little tangent slash a okay, yeah, please to go on. But but Anna, do you have any do you have any more thoughts on that? Other well, than I was, I I mean, I was just gonna say it's like I, I've gone to both the Chicago away games we've had in MLS uh, in 2017 and last year, and they were one of my favorite away games i took the death loon express down it was just a fantastic time and the, just some of the chants we came up with last year were just so great i won't repeat them here but god they were so great but anyway uh just i i, I the fact that we don't always have a home and away just angers me because i just love love those games we love each other yeah exactly Anna and I obviously, you know, just met recently. I was familiar with the Dark Literati. Um, I'm not, I wasn't actually, you know, to, I'll, I'll admit my own ignorance. I wasn't entirely, you know, I've, I've met a lot of Minnesota SGs and members. You know, I knew of them, but I didn't actually know what they stood for until someone was like, the plastics had, you know, on Twitter and someone's like, oh, you're like the Dark Literati. I'm like, oh my God. But, you know, <laughs> they've been on my radar. Um, yeah. But I have a lot of friends in Minnesota and I met most of them through my arsenal supported um but we love you guys and I, I asked you about the empirical event because I actually um 
organized like a welcoming party for the Minnesota United supporters at cool. a brewery that I, I I have worked with before. And you know, everyone just had a great time. Like everyone was getting along, you know, just great beer. Just mm-hmm. it was just a really nice, like, hey, because I know that the supporters who went to the away in Minnesota had the best time with you. So the bar yeah. was set pretty high. So we're like I was the kind of like, that's how I ended up on the board. I was the event planner. And I'm like, well, I love the Minnesota people. I will totally orchestrate this whole thing by myself because I just love them. Yeah. Yeah. The Chicago uh, two years ago was, uh, it was uh, St. Patty's day weekend. uh, And Oh, that game. We took over the Amsterdam (laughs) bar. Yeah. That game. I was, uh, I was pretty, uh, it was a day game too. And I don't don't know how drunk I got like before three o'clock in the afternoon, but I got, pretty lit up as well so oh and it was gorgeous too right it was, yeah. like, it was like 60 degrees it was yeah. absolutely previ- beautiful that yeah day. the previous day had been like 25 and then it was like 60 the next day so yeah i was like i don't even like i stumbled home and that was when we were still over at tcf so that was a long ways to get home so okay so can can i can Please. i give my proposal yes okay so i was on the phone with another kind of chicago woman in soccer legend although she's very humble but we call her queen carrie um so i was on the phone with queen carrie who's the finance director for section eight chicago earlier and we were just catching up um she's a nurse she works in the healthcare field so i've been you know i love her to death and could talk to her every day already but i've been trying to provide that check-in a little more so we're talking about stuff and you know i had mentioned that i was going to be on a minnesota united podcast with anna tonight and we got to talking, you know, and I was like, oh, it's so funny. One of the one of the questions was, you know, why the hell don't we play each other twice a year? Like everyone has the best time. We like, you know, and Minnesota needs a rival. Come on. Yes. We're always talking about, you know, or Anna's always like, there's no, you know, Minnesota doesn't have a rival. We have sporting Kansas City in some respects, but it's not, it's not, it's not a, a rivalry. <laughs> I mean, it's not, not a rivalry. rivalry that, it should be. Yeah. Yeah. But Chicago so, yeah. so my proposition after talking to Carrie is we have a supporters cup um, kind of rivalry thing with Dallas called the Brimstone Cup. And every time we play each other, you know, it's a typical supporters trophy where whoever wins gets custody of the cup until the next time they play. So we think that the Chicago Fire and Minnesota United absolutely need like a rivalry trophy and we think it should either be corn or uh or or like lake related my vision of it which i think our you know graphic designer in in chief anna could probably draft something up pretty great but i'm just imagining like we get one of those like toy plastic corn things we scrape (laughs) Old, we glue it onto some like grandiose trophy and that's like whatever we want to name our supporters cup but i think this needs to happen and i we're we in chicago are relying on minnesota united fans to push this idea forward so i have an idea for this i i i, I like what you're getting at but i have something that we can fight over that right now you stole from us so yeah you just stole from us this year we're not so, using Francisco Calvo as a trophy. No, 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 no. Calvo would never be a trophy. He's not a trophy to anyone. <laughs> I'm, I'm very eager to hear, Anna. Forward Madison. Oh. We're making the Flamingo Cup. That's yeah. what we're making. It's the Flamingo Cup. Yes, because yep. they're right in the middle. All right, it is decided. Yep. I will start a change.org petition tonight. And they were our affiliate until you stole them. So, yes, it's the Flamingo Cup. 
Oh my, okay, can we all, I mean, I know we don't speak for Chicago Fire supporters and Minnesota United supporters as a whole, but can the five of us agree right now to make the Flamingo Cup a reality whenever gameplay continues? Yes. Absolutely. All right. All right. right. Cheers (laughs) to the Flamingo Cup. (laughs) Cheers. May the best team win and let us, can we, can we officially be the five people that like ignited what will become a history rivalry between Minnesota United and Chicago Fire? We just need to make a cup. One hundred percent. Yeah. No. All right. I'm yeah. so we, ready for this. We need more trophies. Anna. Yeah. More trophies. Yeah. We, we only have one supporters, you know, trophy with another team, and like, you know, it's a great rivalry, but like, it, it's with Dallas. We need a, you know, and yeah, we have crew, but like, we don't even want to associate. But like, if anyway, that's another podcast. But, the only team yeah. we have one with, I think, currently plays in the Canadian Premier League. So yeah, we need one too. That is true. Yeah. Right. The, fly, yeah, the yeah. flyover. The, the flyover, flyover cup. Flyover cup. Yeah. All right. Um, let's do it. Yeah, actually, I just point out too, like um, a lot of how the dark clouds got started years and years and years ago in two thousand four, two thousand five was actually, um, or at least when we sort of actually formalized our uh, our organization, was a lot based on Section Eight in Chicago. Um, there's yeah, there's a lot of crossover between Minnesota and Chicago, and a lot of dark clouds were Chicago Fire fans before Minnesota, you know, really became a. Damn an MLS thing. Uh, I'm thinking Jim Oliver is a big one. Oh, okay. he's definitely the, the most, he's the one I know the most about. So, but yeah, there's a few other people. So yeah, I mean, Section 8's provided a, a great blueprint for, I mean, you know, Chicago fire has been around since a year after the inception of the league, you know, mm-hmm. like I, I section eight, I mean, I've used things that I've learned from there to apply it to my premier league supporters group. It's, it's, yeah. you know, a lot, a lot of people think that what they do is dated and ISA boards are dated and ISC boards are dated, but you know, I still, I still believe in them and like supporters culture wouldn't be what it is today without them having kind of paved the way. Yep. Uh, MJ, do you want to get to one of your questions? Sure. How did you all meet? I mean, obviously Twitter is a great, that's how you and Anna met. Uh, uh, I think you just mentioned here, if I can, go back to my memory, uh, a Catherine or a Katie. Um, Catherine. And, uh, and. Valeria and. Valeria from LA. So like, how did you meet, how did all those people meet each other? So it, it initially started with uh, Catherine and I. So Catherine and I have known each other for probably, I want to say a little over three years now. We met each other through our soccer pub. Um, Her partner, Mike, is a Chicago gooner like me, and she's actually a Tottenham supporter. So her and I have had this love hate banter for a while. <laughs> MJ's yeah, an Everton fan out of Liverpool, so I yeah. threatened to cut her hair off. Like we get pretty nasty with it, but you know we love each other. So you know, but we were really we were the annoying people in our Premier League group of friends, alongside her boyfriend and a few other friends who were like, "Support your local, support your local, support your local." So we were the ones at MLS matches, and her and her partner don't even support the fire. They're an RSL and a Rapid supporter, which is hilarious. <laughs> and trust me, that banter is even more vicious than Tottenham. Yeah, because. that's that's a big that's a now that that is a geographic and uh, rivalry filled with vitriol in MLS. She publicly humiliates him on a weekly basis about the Rapids, <laughs> and I'm here for it. Like, I'm sometimes I'm like p- clutching my pearls, like Catherine, like. but I love her. So, um, we're, we've been the MLS supporters of the group and, um, you know, she knows a lot of the fire supporters. So basically we decided to start this thing almost immediately. Um, 
Nicole Hack, who I know, she was the first uh, woman chair of Section 8 Chicago last year. She's been involved in this fire community for 16 years. She's a wealth of information and knowledge. I wanted to tap into that, you know, that that wealth of resources that she has. And also, she has always tried to pave the way for women in the fire community and, um, you know, like support women and always makes it a point to introduce herself to a new woman supporter to make her feel welcome because it can be intimidating. So she was someone I wanted on the team. And then um, our LAFC mod, Valeria, reached out and she was immediately like, yes, all about this. Let me know what I can do. And then obviously Anna reached out. Awesome. Yeah, just a just a random collective of like, it was, you know, I told Catherine, I was like, I can't do it without you. You know, I'm not going to do this without you. And now we're like, we couldn't do this without all five of us. Yeah, it's, it's amazing how quickly you get, you've grown. Yeah, um, I was just going to say to that, your Twitter presence, obviously, you, you mentioned you, over a 1,000 people in a, in, a, uh, in a month. It's a sight to behold. Ours is mostly just our fights, our co-hosts get into fights with one another. Um, so what's the secret? How do, you, how do you build up that Twitter presence? Um, so, it's, so first of all, um, and I think we'll probably, like, we'll probably change this as, like, time goes on and there's more of a demand. And obviously, we get back into gameplay because that's going to be overwhelming. But right now, it's just Catherine and I running the Twitter uh, which can get overwhelming at times because we'll be both like be on it and responding to the same tweets and like one of us will have to delete it. So we're sort of like, okay, like two people for now and that is good. Um, and then when it comes to like maintaining kind of the positivity of our Twitter, we're obviously here for discourse and we're obviously here for people to tell us when they think we can be better or when we're doing something they disagree with. We're open to it. However, there's people that are just going to troll and hate and be mean. So we just mute them. We just mute, you know, unless you actually have a productive argument to make, you're getting muted. If you're just coming us coming at us with vitriol, bye. Um, and then in terms of having a lively Twitter presence, um, I learned everything I knew about marketing and social media marketing from sex work. So on sex work Twitter, you use a lot of GIFs, you use a lot of pictures, you, you, you use a lot of emojis. You want everything to be eye-catching and, you know, when you're scrolling through a feed of of sexy women and sexy sex workers, you want something that catches their eye and GIF usage, I'm probably pronouncing it wrong. I apologize. I'm sure like, am I pronouncing it wrong? It's, Anna? it's open for debate. If, there will be, there will be I, angry I, comments. People always tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> yes, uh, yeah. Angry comments on our, on the, uh, on the, on our uh, SoundCloud page, so. And In so truth I though, this was a minefield. You, there was no winning that battle. <laughs> yeah. No, never. I, I do what I can. So um, I, I learned about that from sex work Twitter, like keep it interesting, keep it visually stimulating. And um, it was funny because within a few days of starting the account, people were like, oh my God, you use so many gifts. This is the account for me. Like I'm here. This is what I wanted. I love it. Just by gift usage. So I think <laughs> like, honestly, just, just having that experience and knowing how to make something like look pretty and fun and interesting, you know, it, it, right. it pays off for for this and there's kind of a, a lack of bubbliness and positivity in um in you know M on mls twitter that's true we'll have to make sure we let the intern know about gif usage the intern's oh my me God, the intern's me so social media tip like hands down wait i've been demoted okay yeah well yeah i'm not giving you the password to the to the uh, social media accounts so <laughs> for good I don't, reason. I, I don't need you tagging all of mls every time you want to tweet something out so for good reason for good reason yeah 
Um, <laughs> uh, cool. So, um, I, MJ, I, I know you have a few other questions. Why don't you, why don't you get to a few oh, more? Oh, sure. Years. Let me I switch screens. Yeah. Actually, I'll ask Anna while MJ's looking for something. So, Anna, like, I, obviously, I know you do, you've been doing a ton of design stuff. You do, obviously, done a ton of stuff with the plastics. Um, where do you find the time and the inspiration to I know and also Christian mentioned to me that you're working with uh, hot clouds on designing some stuff for them beer related yep. um, so two questions number one are we going to have a uh, plastics themed uh, beer uh, number two where do you find all this inspiration and all this time to to do all this really awesome and, and it's if you haven't checked out Anna's uh, Twitter feed we'll mention it in a little bit here but like um, you have just tons of really cool designs really cool scarves uh, I saw a a, a uh, plastics jersey that was nope. designed that looked really badass. So I'm gonna interject find- and just say she's fucking brilliant and like it's just it's I'm always amazed and like just basically speechless whenever I see the new designs. I'm like I got no, like wow. Yeah, some Minnesota supporter thing will come up and be like, oh, it'd be like, oh yeah, designed by Anna. I was like, oh, of course that was fucking designed by Anna. So <laughs> so yeah, so that's why, yeah, that's my question. Where do you come up with this and, and where do you find the time? And, and again, are we going to have that? Are we going to get that plastics themed beer? I, I just, well, I just, I just enjoy it. That's the thing. It's just, you know, it, it's another thing comes out, another idea comes out and I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to make something that it's just it, it's fun to me like i love graphic design i love doing stuff but i need a reason to do it i can't just have nothing like no driving force behind it and like having these different supporter groups that exist like you know shout out to the loons loons we'll have a scarf uh <laughs> but like stuff like that uh it's just it, it's something that's really fun for me to do and that's that's like the driving force do i have the time no not really but i just try to be that type of dude and i want to be who you like me to but we both i mean i use uh, adobe illustrator okay it's my go-to for everything so yeah adobe illustrator and photoshop i used to go the one too yeah, I used to go the free route, but it just it, it got to the point where I was doing it so much uh, that I switched over to the like more professional stuff. And that gives you a whole another suite of tools that you wouldn't have on the, on the exactly. That's why I did it. Side. Yeah, it's it's become it's become infinitely easier since I switched to the more professional level. My next question is, if you could take the negative responses, and obviously. You know, I, I love that you mute them or you have a way of handling these sorts of negative comments. If, if, if there is some valid banter or, or whether it's just for fun or whether there's things, questions you do want to answer, they're coming to you kind of with ignorance and with questions. Great, take the time for them. But if they're, if they're just being there for vitriol, that's great that you can mute them. But if you were to categorize those negative responses and put them into, I don't know, two to five buckets or something like that, what what would those buckets be named or labeled? Well, I mean, you are asking a dominatrix to name some unsavory buckets. So I'll withhold from naming the buckets, but I will name contents of the buckets. Sure. Um, so I would say, and I think the most innocent negative response, which I'm not going to like necessarily hold against anyone. And I think I, I'll speak for us when I say this, is there's some people that just don't get it. And when I say they don't get it, they don't understand the need for the plastics and the need for the community that we're building. Um, And it's not necessarily, you know, 
obviously there's going to be straight cis white men that don't get it because I, <laughs> I personally view MLS as a straight cis het men's club. You know, it's, yeah. and I think a, a lot of us are trying to change that whether we're women or we're minorities. Um, so I just got like angry about a whole other sub. I have to get back on track. I'm like other thoughts. Um, Someone redirect me, please. <laughs> what would you call? What would you call the the buckets that that? Okay, okay. So there's the people that just don't get it, and it's not just it's not just cis white men. It's it's people. It's other women who are like, well, I've never felt discriminated against. I've always felt uh, welcome. Yeah, and yeah, it's yeah. one of those things where it's like, I am so grateful that you have had that experience. However, I think our follower count and our interaction count and our Slack channel count will attest to you are in the minority of having a positive experience in MLS. So there's the people that just don't get it. And those are the people that like, we are all happy to have discussions with and explain, these are our experiences. This is what we're fighting for. This is what we want. It's not that extreme. We just want to feel safe, validated and included in our stands. It is simple as that. Um, so, you know, those are the people that it's like, yes, we're willing to have discourse with you. Then there's the people who are like, I don't understand what the problem is. Why is this such a big deal? You're so sensitive. The people that are like actively being aggressive about not understanding and being like, this is so unnecessary, like untwist your panties where I'm just like, okay, you clearly have this view of women and queer people and that our problems and concerns and feelings and experiences aren't valid. So I'm not going to change your mind and I could sit here for 12 hours and fight with you on Twitter, but I'm not going to change your perspective. You're sure as fuck not changing mine. Um, on that note, like, I just want to reiterate too, and this is something Anna and I have discussed, um, you know, soccer and sports are political. So they're not, they're not, not political and human rights are huge to us. So if you are one of these, like, keep sports out of politics, you can't sit with us, period. So um, we, we're just not interested in that. Um, and then, you know, then there's like the name calling and whatever. Oh. Um, so yeah. for the most part, I'm honestly pleasantly surprised at the lack of hate we've experienced, knock on wood. Um, there's just, you know, there's different degrees of it. And there's also different degrees of how much we're willing to put up with or like discuss. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's like you can explain yourself for hours and you don't owe anyone an explanation at the end of the day. They either get it or they don't. And most people get it. That's awesome. I, I think your website really, that first part of your website describes it best about feeling unwelcome in your own supporters groups and stadiums. That really hits the nail on the head for anybody who's interested uh, th that has ever felt that, um, you know, they need, to get, they need to reach out to you to get involved. Yeah. Yeah. Sit, sit, sit with the plastics.com is the website if you want to, to learn more. It's, it's great. And that and actually, and, and Meredith, I'll, I'll, and Anna can attest to this as well. I mean, that was literally the reason for the Dark Literati mm -hmm. getting formed was uh, a safe space that people could, you know, uh, like-minded folks could get together and, and congregate and know that they're, they're surrounded by people that care about them and are going to be looking out for them. And, and um, I mean, me and my wife and my son stand literally in between the dark literati uh, in front of us and then the red loons, uh, the Marxist uh, supporter group behind us, the left leaning, um, very much our politics and sports are, you know, they're like this. Um, 
so it's it's a it's actually i think we've created a, a kind of a cool cool area in the at alliance where we have like again that femme women queer trans led group and, and that is literally up front right behind the goal um get on tv all the time which is great and then the uh red loons uh behind them helping support and um, labor immigrants can. all yeah, that labor immigrants that's what i want that, for so. the fire that's what i want yeah. for the fire and you know i'm not going to call anyone out directly but um you know a lot of a lot of the the male dominated supporters groups in chicago um they may they may talk the talk of being allies to women and to queer people and to minorities but they don't actually walk the walk you know and that's what i want to see more of personally is accountability you know among their groups in our stands. I remember when the when the Dark Literati was first getting formed, and um, I'm not going to drop names here, but I remember there was this group that were was saying, I'm sick of seeing the brofication of our supporters group, um, or, you know, that was their terminology about it. And I was just like, that is a great way to put it, the brofication, you know, like, there's mm -hmm. this sort of angsty white male sort of, uh, you know, vibe that you get. And while that may be a good way to channel energy for some supporters, it doesn't fit all supporters. And if we can have more diversity where people who say, I, I want to express my energy in these other ways. Mm -hmm. And it was hilarious to me to see on Twitter overhearing at games, people that were so ignorant, they were just like, well, what? what are they talking about? What, what does the brofication of supporter culture even mean? I was just like, and that, that's where, Meredith, when you say things like, you obviously just don't get it, you know? Like, you know, and so it warms my heart that you guys have a space, the Dark Literati, you know, created this space for Minnesota United supporters. Um, I love that the plastics is, 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 a, is a thing. My next, my next question is, uh, on Twitter, you, you pinned the photo of a group of LAFC fans that the director, several detractors called plastic supporters. Uh, has there been any confusion, confusion that uh, either that you are all LAFC fans, this is only for LAFC people, or that you are the actual people in that photo? So I'm going to cut in real quick before Meredith answers this one because this is all her. Uh, yes, I fully thought they were those people at first. <laughs> I, I, that, that is how I interpreted it at first. So anyway, Meredith, please, please answer. No, and, the, and I, th I feel like that was um, like that was kind of an amateurish mistake we made because um, Catherine and I were like, we were discussing, we had just, you know, launched, we had just made the Twitter, just made an Instagram. We hadn't had any you know we, we weren't thinking beyond that but we're like we need to make a statement about what we are here for and what we represent and we thought back we all loved the lafc supporters in that photo i think like you wanted to be them you wanted to be with them you wanted to be chanting next to them you wanted to be in a photo with them you wanted to step up your game and look like them you know whatever your interpretation of that is and they got so much hate i just remember like just so much hate. I mean, LAFC supporters get hate anyway. And then you have all these beautiful people and they are all beautiful, you know, just wearing these, like this, this MLS couture. And it's just like, so we're like, that's us. Like, I mean, and you know, also there's something that I've been trying to like, um, not like deal with, but, um, 
I don't want there to be any sort of confusion about like, we're like this hyper femme, you have to have a full face of makeup, wear a ball gown, paint your nails. No, like you can wear whatever you want to wear. If you identify with the plastics and like, however you feel fabulous or yourself, like that's what we're about. However you support and however you, whatever you wear while you support, whatever makes you feel good in the stands, like that's what we want. Um, so, you know, they are definitely very, very hyper femme and I love that as someone who's very femme. Um, but yeah, so obviously there was a lot of confusion and we probably should have been like, you know, disclaimer, we are not the people in the photo. They just represent what our ideals are and what we, what we stand for. Um, so in the first, I would say week or two, there was a lot of Catherine and I being on Twitter being like, no, this is run by an RSL and fire supporter. Like these women are just our inspiration. And then one of the women, um, Kate, who she's like basically famous in LAFC culture. Um, her partner is like the LAFC King. who's the guy that wears the crown at every match. She's actually a designer in LA and she like makes these amazing bedazzled vests and ball gowns and all sorts of things just out of LAFC stuff and also her own things. Um, I can actually plug her Instagram if you give me a second. Um, so she actually, her, her partner, the LAFC King, um, alerted her to what we were doing and she actually um reached out to us and was like i love what you're doing and she kind of gave us the blessing we got like the blessing of the queen which was really important because when you're using someone's image for something and it accidentally takes off it's like ooh, maybe you don't stand for what we stand for but she and her friends are very much like yes 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 thank you so, and she actually got back on Twitter because of us. She was off Twitter and she's like, I'm back now. Um, but her company is called Made Great by Kate. Um, she spells her name K-A-I-T. And if you want to follow her, um, her handle is at K-A-I-T-K-O-R-K-A on uh, Instagram and Twitter. So she's very, very talented even outside of her support them. Oh, great story. Love that shit. Um, I also just point out, like, I don't know if you have probably had a ton of interactions with the LAFC supporters. They're fucking awesome. Um, I love them. They when they came when they came to Minnesota, they were they were fucking hammered. They were at the Blackheart, which is our uh, the only uh, LGBTQ soccer bar in the uh, in the country, as far as we are aware. And um, absolutely good. It yes, it's, next time you're up, it's it's a and, and we're not sheltered in place. It's a fantastic place. Um, but they came and they just fucking tore the like tore the place down when they were up for, for a match. And then we went down to their spot and, uh, you know, beat them at home, which was super nice. But they were like, apparently, I wasn't on that trip, but apparently they were, the, the, all the LAFC fans have been fantastic. So um, that's great. Uh, is there anything else, Dan or MJ? Otherwise we'll get you guys, your, you plug it, plug all your stuff and then get you out of here. But just want to make sure MJ or Dan doesn't have any other questions. Yeah, I'll throw, uh, throw one bigger question and then a, a very easy one out there. The bigger one is, so you've definitely talked a lot about like affirmatively defined spaces and the need for things that are, are um, deliberately uh, women and queer focused. There are these other spaces, other supporters groups, and I mean, even just outside of supporters culture, just sort of fan culture in general, that I think people would want to be more welcoming than they probably are. So for those of us who aren't necessarily in deliberately defined uh, queer friendly spaces, how do we make our other spaces more queer friendly? I realize that's a massively large question. <laughs> so at least what we're trying to do is we have this, and I don't know if you saw it on the site, but 
we have we have this affiliates and we have this allies thing right so i mean i can only speak from a plastics perspective but what we're trying to do is we're trying to get associated supporter groups to fill those roles so we have affiliates affiliates are things like dark literati and the plastics right but what you're talking about right now is what we call allies so it's it's groups that have that 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 do that thing right that are supportive of queer and women rights and will include them so i guess trying to grow that aspect is what we're trying to do and like we mentioned earlier on in this podcast it's uh we want to provide the tools for building that for providing that uh way of i don't Just organizing uh, and like growing. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Organizing and growing. Uh and helping out in that regard. So um yeah, I guess that's what we're trying from a plastics perspective. Uh and, you know, is it's obviously a very large question. And you know, from an individual team standpoint, it's really tough, but from a plastics, that's what we're trying to do and trying to grow that. Can I speak on just allyship in general for a second to answer a little bit more? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so I am, so I'm a white cis woman. Um, I am queer and I am a sex worker which which kind of puts me like lower on the totem pole than most white cis women. Um, but I've learned a lot about being an ally over the past 10 decades. And, you know, I've, I, I, I can't speak for all allies and I will say that every single day is a growing process. But the best thing you can do to start like on providing a safe space and to start being a better ally is the most important thing you can do is to just be quiet and listen to people with different perspectives and different identities and different experiences than you. Hold space. Do not talk over them. Um, you know, don't try to be like, oh yeah, I totally know what you mean because even if you have like the best natured heart in the world you don't know what they mean we all we're all humans everyone in this i'm getting all emotional now everyone on this podcast has different lived experiences no one can speak for each other but you know it's it's just about holding space it's about listening and it's about learning and it's about holding other allies accountable so you know if you catch another ally maybe speaking over someone or railroading someone or even just making like we all make jokes. I have a sick, dark sense of humor, but there's just certain things I don't joke about. Even if someone makes a joke that's just a little distasteful and a little discriminatory and a little too edgy, you know, call them out, speak up, you know, it's, it's, it's little steps like that. But, um, you know, from a, from a very like ground up point, it's just about listening, being quiet and learning. So that's and the advice I can give. Can I add something on, on this? As an Asian American supporter, or as someone who doesn't fit certain molds, one challenge I give to anybody listening to this pod, if you are at the Blackheart, or you're at the stadium, you're in the Wonderwall, or you're supporting your team out there, wherever they are, if you see someone that is all by themselves, you know, regardless of their gender, or their race, or what have you, and you, they're by themselves and they don't seem to be, they seem hesitant to kind of go all in. If you can come beside them and introduce yourself and just ask a simple question that anyone there would answer, like, 
how did you hear about this club or this supporters group or how did you get involved with soccer? Um, it can make a world of difference. Yes. I catch myself all the time going to the Blackheart and looking off people that are by themselves or that don't seem to be interacting with anybody because I'm so excited to see this person who I haven't seen in a long time. I'm so excited to see this person. We all fall the- into our cliques. We fall into our little social groups. And exactly. And so to be welcoming to other people in general, you know, is, is, is something that you kind of have to make a conscious decision to get out of your natural tendencies and biases. And I would challenge anybody to do that. Uh, can I speak to this real quick? Cause this actually really, uh, really applies to me. Yeah. Uh, 20, 2018 TCF. Uh, I was going through some, I was going through some shit and uh, I was going to soccer games alone for the first time in, well, ever for Minnesota United games. And uh, I just happened to be standing by where the Dark Literati were. I, I didn't know the Dark Literati were a thing. I just, that just happened to be the area I like to be in. And um, they actually invited me to join them one day. Uh, I, was, I, I was just there alone. And they're like, you know what? Just be part of us. You know, you know they're asking me questions. They're, they're trying to get me involved. And it meant the world to me. And uh, that is where everything started for me. Like I, I joined them. I tried to do whatever I could to help this group out because I owed them so much. They helped me so much uh, in a time when I really, really needed it. So it, it is an incredibly important thing to do is exactly what you're saying. I, I, I don't know where I'd be without that. It helped so much. I can speak to that too. Our, 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 my fellow uh, Chicago moderator of the plastics, Nicole Hack, You know, I I mentioned that she's been very welcoming of women and I wouldn't be on this podcast right now if it weren't for her because she made me feel included. And regardless of what I do for work, you know, it's like that convert, that question gets asked, what do you, oh, what do you do for work? And, you know, she, she's not sheltered, but it's, it's weird for a lot of people. And she was like, oh, that's cool. Like, I don't really understand what that is, but like, whatever. And it was just a non-issue. And a lot of times, you know, more marginalized supporters, it's just like, it's almost like more annoying if you make a bigger deal about our identity or occupation than like just acting like it's an, it's a non-issue. Like, Oh, that's cool. Whatever. Anyway. So like, what do you think about like, you know, that brace last match, you know, do you think we're going to get a, do you, do you think we're going to get a hat trick this weekend? You know, it's just sort of like, it's, it's normalized because it should be, we're all, we're all different. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's all great advice. have a knack for turning every podcast into like this emotional thing where everyone's <laughs> having feelings. And I think that's actually really important for MLS culture. It's like no, it's, that, that is great for our podcast. Our podcast is, you know, generally not that. So we're, we're going to like bombard people. We'll throw this right at the beginning so that they're just, they, they get it. They, they have to listen to it before they want to get to the, the shit stuff that we do later. So yeah. Anyone um, else have any other questions? And do you I, I do one more? I do have an easy one. Uh, Meredith, specifically for you, two-parter, favorite Chicago neighborhood, favorite Chicago brewery. All right. All right. So um, favorite Chicago neighborhood. So I've actually lived in Avondale for the past 10 years. Um, It is not my favorite neighborhood. I love it. It's kind of called like Little Poland, which I am Polish, obviously, last name. Um, I love it. I love my little corner liquor store babushka lady, but my favorite Chicago neighborhood is Albany Park because like literally any type of food you want, it's there. 
it's almost like a little, like, it's almost like a little Minneapolis. I love going to Minneapolis and walking around and you just get all the different smells and sights and it's like, ugh, that's how Albany Park is. So Albany Park, favorite Chicago neighborhood. Um, and then favorite Chicago brewery. Oh man, I'm going to, I'm going to break some hearts with this one. Um, I love Metropolitan. Uh, one of my dear friends, Marty works there. Uh, they have a beautiful space. It's right on the river. It's just very low key. They make great beer. However, um, I am partial to Empirical because I like sours and they do all these crazy sours. And I've also worked with them a few times. We actually did a Chicago Gooners beer with them. Um, it was excellent. And then I also obviously hosted the Minnesota United party there. Um, and then third would be uh, Off Color, which once again, just another space. So, I mean, I can't pick one. It's impossible. <laughs> So I'll, I'll name it because I just wanted a tangent. So empirical, metropolitan, and off-color. Nice, excellent choices. That's cool. Um, all right. Well, I, I, I we have t I have two more questions. Uh, one is a uh, user question um, or a, a listener question uh, from MN Nice FC West Berdine, who's an old school uh, dark cloud. Um, I think maybe even brought me into the dark clouds. Um, who is the most plastic MLS player? And why is it Breck Shea? <laughs> Wasn't it prepared for, we prepared for the first part of that question. We did not prepare for the first part. <laughs> All right, well, who's, who's the most plastic MLS player? Okay, so um, we, we did think about this because we're like, we're like, okay, like, you know, when, you, when we think about the word plastic, we think fake, artificial, you know, poser. But like, so why is it Francisco Calvo? Oh God! Oh. <laughs> I mean, it's true. I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. As a <laughs> sorry, Meredith. <laughs> Let her finish. Um, sorry. All right. So, so we're like, okay, but like, you know, that isn't like. While we might be taking the word back, that's not what the plastics represent. So, um, our pick for most plastic MLS player. Um, let me get my facts straight. We did, we did a little research for this one. Okay, great. Uh, Alejandro Bedoya from Philly United, because okay. if anyone recalls, he took a stand against gun violence. And, yep. you know, he, he I mean, he, I, I don't recall what reper repercussions he faced, but he basically put his job on the line and made a stand for something he believed in. And that's what the plastics are about. So I think yeah. that uh, Bedoya is the most plastic player in MLS. And that's like probably one of the biggest compliments we can give. That is, that's fantastic. And yeah, I mean. Good answer. Previously. Yeah. Like, yeah. Everybody had been fined and, and MLS did not find him when they, when he did that. So good, good for him. And that's a great answer. Uh, yeah. Great. Um, and then, okay. Um, I, I had, a, I had a, another Francisco Cabo dig question. I don't really want to ask because you know, <laughs> it must be a sore subject. Um, we got rid of him. You guys took him for us, but then you guys kicked, uh, kicked the shit out of us last year with him. So uh, mostly I'm just a better. So how can people get involved um, with the plastics? How do they find you guys, both you, Anna and Meredith, and then uh, the organization generally, Twitter, Instagram, how do they get on that Slack? Let us know and let people know. Uh, so yeah. So sit with the plastics.com. Uh, that's our website. Uh, obviously we have a Twitter presence. Uh, it is, 
I don't actually know it off the top of my head. I know. Do you want to take that? Yeah, I was going to say, got to get done on the, on, the, on the podcast. So, um, yeah. so, our, so like Anna said, our website is sitwiththeplastics.com. Um, that's kind of all the information you can find out about who we are, what we plan to do, and as well as like look at our affiliate and allied SGs. There's also a form if you would like to be on that list. Um, we're currently, we have gotten some requests and we're currently kind of hammering out the details um, amongst the mods of like, you know, what it takes to be on either list. Um, and then our social media for Twitter and Instagram are the plastics underscore SG. We also have a Facebook page, facebook.com slash sit with the plastics. So that's where to find us. And then, um, our Slack, like we don't, we don't, we're not like hiding the link, but it's on our Twitter and you know, it's, it's pretty easy to get on it. Um, you basically, you can go on our Twitter and find it, or you can um, send us a DM, you know, and be like, Hey, how do I get in on this? And then we do have a private channel on our Slack for women and queer supporters only. So there is a place to discuss um, more sensitive issues to those communities and allies are totally welcome on our Slack, but you know, that channel is for us to discuss things, you know, without allies being privy to. So I think it's important to have that. That's yeah. That's that's awesome. That's super cool. So uh, you guys also have a podcast or you just launched a podcast, right? We did. Um, so <laughs> Tell us a little about that. actually, we have a podcast page on our website. Um, I will actually be need, needing to do some website updates in the next few days to get all of our podcast links and a million other links on there. But I, I spent probably 16 hours on our website, so I kind of <laughs> want to ignore it for about a week. Um, but we, but you can easily find our podcast um, through our website on SoundCloud. Cool. And then my personal, if you if you think I'm fascinating and want to follow me. Uh, my Twitter handle and Instagram handle are goth spice FC. Um, and if you are feeling salacious and bored, you can follow my OnlyFans at onlyfans.com slash M-A-D-D-I-E-R-O-Y-C-E, Maddie Royce. So if you get bored during the quarantine. Cool. I won't tell anyone. <laughs> uh, Anna? Anna, I, I, I'm, I'm Twitter. Anna underscore Drina, D-R-I-N-A. That's that's the only place I exist at outside of uh, outside of this mind, podcast. Mind blowing graphic design work, though. It it truly it truly is like some of the stuff that Anna posts on uh, the, their Twitter is is fucking amazing. So, um, Meredith, Anna, I just want to say thank you once again for joining yeah. us. Uh, this is a, a pleasure, a blast. Um, you're welcome back anytime. Anytime you have anything comes up you want to talk about, you're always welcome on the Dave's I know. Awesome. Yeah, thank you. You guys are wonderful. Thank you so much. It was right. it was really a pleasure. Yeah, awesome. Great. Thanks, guys. Bye. Uh, one very selfish question as a Korean American: There is a Koreatown LAFC supporters group called TSG. They are listed on your affiliates on the website for the plastic. How did that connection happen? So that connection ha um, happened through our LAFC mod Valeria. Um, she is friends with. Uh, Joy and Sue, who are both, um, you know, Korean American women in leadership for TSG. And, you know, that's exactly what we're looking for. We're looking for women in leadership roles. And we're especially like, like looking for women in color, you know, in those leadership roles. And, you know, they also stand for the activist kind of standpoint that we come from where they're doing a lot of work to eliminate the rising sun flag and MLS. Yes. Um, you know, a lot, a lot of Asian people view that as the equivalent of, you know, the swastika. Um, I, I don't know if you want to educate people on this. It's not really my place, but. I'll just say that 
for those that aren't aware, you see the rising sun flag. I actually own one. It, it, it's one of those things that if you're a World War II nut or a, a, a military history nut, you see it and you kind of don't think anything of it. And then you do a lot more research on it, on how it was used and raised as, as Japan's empire continued to dominate other parts of Asia. And yes, it is perceived as this very fascist, very, very dictator, very, very conquering uh, symbol that uh, a Nazi flag would, would be. And so um, it, I think for those of us in the West who see World War II and other than Pearl Harbor, mostly focus on the war in Europe and, and the Western aspects of that war, kind of don't realize how Japan, uh, Hirohito were, were perceived. And so it's, yeah, I think, I think, you know, the, the importance of, of not allowing that flag at sporting events, which is a huge issue in AFC. It's a huge issue anytime Japan wants to host the Olympics or the Asian games or anything like that, any sporting event where they want to use that as a symbol, the way that the Japanese view that symbol is a lot more uh, welcoming than the way the Germans see a Nazi flag. You know, they, they, it's, almost, it's almost a little bit more like the Confederate flag where you have There's a group- pride in it. Yeah, you, you have a group that says, well, this just represents my pride in culture. I don't see what's so wrong about that. And you have another group of people that are like, do you realize what that pride in culture did at the time this flag was representative of, of, your, of your culture. Like, and so, yeah, uh, the rising fun, sun flag, you know, great for historical purposes, but really as a modern day symbol of anything positive needs to go. Yeah, and, and they do a lot of work for that, especially, you know, because of the usage of that flag when it came to, you know, Japanese soldiers using Korean women as comfort women. Um, you know, so I, I, I really like, obviously I'm not Asian American, but like that's the kind of activism that I'm here for. And I think the plastics are here for. So they put a lot of work in and we love to see women, women of color in leadership roles. So um, shout out to Valeria for like making that introduction. Shout out to Joy, shout out to Sue for all the work they do in LAFC. And yeah, no, that's, that's like, that's exactly the type of group that like we are about and, and we want to see more of. You know, and whatever I, your culture is or your nationality is, like, we, we want to see that represented. And I feel like I need to say this. If you are a Minnesota United fan or a fan of any MLS club and you are Japanese American and you want to have an honest discourse about this, please reach out to me at MJ Matsui on Twitter. Um, let's, when this is all done, let's have a beer together. Um, some of, I have really great friends that are Japanese Americans or Japanese immigrants. So please, I, I do not mean to be anti-Japanese about this. Yeah, I think a lot of it and a lot of our mission too, just to add one more thing, it's about education and discourse and not shaming or cancellation. Yeah. We want to sit down with you and we want to talk about it. We don't, we don't want to cancel you on the internet. Thank you for all that. You want me to be that type of dude and I want to be who you like me to, but we both. All right, and we're back. Uh, that was a fantastic interview with The Plastics. Um, please go check them out, uh, The Plastics underscore SG on 
Twitter, um, get involved there, get involved with Dark Literati, uh, help support uh, and create safe spaces for uh, all fans of MLS. They, uh, they were fantastic. So I uh, want to say big thanks to them. Um, but there's been some other uh, soccer stuff that has come up. Uh, so big, I guess, I don't know. I don't know what the biggest news is. Biggest news is probably the Bundesliga actually announcing a plan to come back in early May. Um, they're actually already out training. They started training last week. Uh, I think half the teams were out there by the end of the week. I think even by Wednesday, all the teams are training. The uh, chair of the, of the Bundesliga announced an early May uh, return date. Um, what do we think about this, guys? Uh, this poss- and, and I know La Liga in Spain as well has, has chatted a little bit about some potential dates for returning for European soccer. So you guys have any thoughts? I mean, it's bold. Like I, Germany has done a phenomenal job with testing. They rolled things out really efficiently, uh, you know, which is a hallmark of, of, of Germany. Things being efficient. Efficiency. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I look, I, I, if, you, I if you would ask, if you had asked me a month ago, will Germany be ready for the Bundesliga to return early in May? I think my answer would have been no. Um, I think I would have said it was too soon. But looking at the way that the outbreaks have happened there or really haven't happened, man, like, it's worth watching. Um, I think the key thing for them is just going to be flexibility, right? Yeah. Like, if, if two weeks from now, you know, we're getting pretty close to May 1st, and all of a sudden things aren't looking so good, be ready to pull that plug immediately. Also, you know, even if you did one match and all of a sudden there were some unanticipated consequences, you have to be willing to pull that cord right away. But look, I think if any country can pull it off, I think it's them in South Korea, which has Korean baseball happening in preseason now. So yeah, Ty- Taiwan just, uh, just launched their baseball season. I will say with, I will say to, uh, to uh, uh, the Bundesliga, um, they did announce that basically they're estimating they need about 240 people and all these matches will be taking place behind closed doors. That's the other right. thing that I think that is, yeah. that was not being said is said. Um, I, I don't think they anticipate having fans again until at least the start of the 2020, 2021 season. Um, they estimate they need 240 people to put on a match uh, behind closed doors. Um, so that's a, I mean, that is a, it's a, it's an estimate. Um, it sounds you know, doctors, trainers, uh, backroom staff, uh, I'm assuming probably not announcers in the stadium. Announcers probably, you know, doing it from a media center somewhere where they don't have to interact with uh, the fans and the teams and the staff. Um, Arlo White's think, basement. Yeah. I th- well, I mean, I th- like how, how, you know, a lot of the, like, Women's World Cup, quite frankly, is, uh, is uh, broadcast here in the U.S. Like, the U.S. for the Women's World Cup sent one – team to uh france last year to actually like do the broadcast for the women's games and then everybody else like kendra who did a phenomenal job on the women's world cup last year was actually in la in a fucking studio in la so there's every country has that has that that setup so they don't need to necessarily interact with the players with uh the team staff and all that so um it's a bold move i i agree dan um but again i think if there's a country that has up to do it, Germany, Germany as well. But it's actually funny because the Premier League had talked about doing sort of this World Cup style, everybody congregate in, you know, certain hotels to, to the match and back. Baseball's talking about a very similar thing 
um, down in Arizona for their season, at least the start of their season. Germany's not talking about that. They're talking about actually doing their matches at their home stadiums, just no fans. Um, I think that is a, a big uh, key factor as well. So the, the no, no, the no fans is a big deal. And to call back to you, Dan's epidemiology uh, section of the episode last week, where we didn't get a, we didn't get a ton of comments on that, Dan. So clearly, either you were really right or really wrong. <laughs> I mean, different areas of our country may be ready for sports sooner than others. Different parts of Europe are ready. Germany looks like they're ready. And I agree with Dan. They just said, like, if there's an outbreak in Munich or Hamburg or Berlin all of a sudden where you see a spike, you know, you have to be ready to respond and be flexible. But Germany's at a very different spot than Spain is at. So for La Liga to be looking at Germany saying, oh, yeah, we can come back too, I would be more skeptical about Spain than I would be Germany. Yeah, 100% agreed. Yeah. Well, Spain's getting around dates of starting like in June um, with like a drop dead date and sometime in like late June. They're not talking about May. Only the Bundesliga is talking about May as coming back. And obviously we know Belarus is happening right now. Um, <laughs> they're drink they're drinking vodka and uh, having sex and uh, smoking cigarettes. And that's how they're getting through the coronavirus. So good for them. If uh, vodka and cigarettes and sex got me through everything in life, I would, uh, I'd probably be dead right now. So, um, but not the Belarusians. So, they're hardy people. They are hardy people. Um, the Premier League obviously must be keeping an eye on the Bundesliga. Um, there's actually been some uh, stuff that was announced today, but I just want to point out uh, Jose Mourinho got in trouble for training in a uh, a park in London uh, with Dembele. Um, Dan, you are the Arsenal supporter. What the fuck was Jose Mourinho doing? My my absolute favorite part of the Tottenham coronavirus saga is they just they can't help shitting themselves. It is so impressive their commitment to just at every possible juncture making a horrible decision. I mean, they were the first ones to come out and say that they weren't paying game day staff, which I think today they sort of backtracked on over the weekend. They did, they yeah. Finally, finally, after a month of bad publicity. Did, did Chelsea and, ever backtrack on that? Because they've been pretty awful, too. I actually hadn't heard that, uh, okay. that Chelsea was also doing that. So you may, you may totally be right. I just can't uh, comment on it. I, I don't think Newcastle has yet, but I know Tottenham just did today, I think. so. Well, and let's not pretend to even remotely be surprised that Mike Ashley isn't paying uh, full retail price for anything. Uh, or Abramovich. Yeah, although Abramovich at least doesn't have the, the – completely boiled in reputation of being so like extremely generous um but uh so with this specific incident uh in in tottenham's general commitment to shittiness uh yeah uh Mourinho, uh dembele and i think actually a couple other players as well uh Mourinho apparently called them up and said we're we're having a small practice today and uh they all came out. Obviously, England has the, uh, the same type of shelter in place, even more stringent, actually, than most places in the U.S. So um, that's a crime. Yeah. Uh, I think Dembele was, like, the most, like, the, the, like, the weirdest one. Like, he's, he's been, like, shut out of Mourinho's plans for the entirety of Mourinho's run at Tottenham. But Dembele is the one who's getting, like, the special treatment from Mourinho. It just seems really fucking weird. And also, to your, to- 
Yeah, that's probably ahead. why he said yes, right? Like, if he calls up Harry Kane, he's like, Harry, we're going to go meet in a park and kick the ball around. Like, What's Harry Kane got to lose? Like, fuck like, you. Like, I'm getting a contract for Man U at the end of the year. So. Right, exactly. <laughs> so that, that's going to be a no from me, dog. I don't need – like, he saw what happened to Kyle Walker. He saw what happened to Jack Grealish. Nobody wants mm. that smoke. But Tim Bailey's got to see the field at some point. He knows that uh, he's got to get on Jose's good side. So we finally agreed to it. Yeah, speaking of uh, ex-Tottenham uh, players, uh, Kyle Walker hosting a uh, sex party. Well, I think, like <laughs> – I actually want to spend a little bit of time on this one to just point and laugh Please. at Kyle Walker hosting a sex party. Um, but also like, I think it's really instructive that Walker got busted for that the same day that MLB floated there. Hey, we're just going to like do a, a biodome in Arizona thing. Mm-hmm. Like these are, these are early to mid twenties professional athletes. Like some of these guys have families. So what you're going to completely ban the families probably not they're probably not going to sign up for that and the guys who don't have families or the guys who don't believe in commitment uh look professional professional athletes uh they 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 like uh carousing a little bit they like uh being being out in town so what are you going to do like have a biodome town that you've like certified as being safe no and so which means somebody's breaking quarantine somebody's going out so you know whether it's phoenix or it's Manchester, you know, depending on which country you're in. Like, I mean, it, hear me it's... out. There is a there is a uh, Jig Busey, Pauly Shore movie called Biodome. <laughs> there, there that is. That serves as the correct, and they, and you know what? I I, I apologize. They also fucked that up because they let people in. Uh, yeah, they fucked up that Biodome. So, right, yeah, this like, definitely cannot work. It it can't possibly work. I will point out uh, vis-a-vis the Pauly Shore movie. Um, the word biodome is typically spelled all one word. That movie hyphenated it for no apparent reason. And it is the reason that there is controversy over how that word is spelled now. So that is Pauly Shore's enduring uh, contribution to human culture is confusion over the way biodome is spelled, whether or not there's a hyphen. Yeah. That and his uh, brilliant contribution to uh, jury duty and son-in-law. Don't forget <laughs> those things. Um, also, I just okay. went out. All the MTV VJ appearances that, you know, he was fabulous in. Nah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We're just hammering uh, the 90s comedy right now. I know, right now. Yeah. Um, I just want to point out, like, we're not, uh, we're not uh, making fun of Kyle Walker for hiring sex workers, but, like, hiring sex workers during a time when you should not be hiring sex workers, period, because of uh, shelter-in-place orders and well, shit like that. So yeah, do you want to have a sex party? Knock yourself out, buddy. We're like, we're all for it. He's a single man. Like, have as many sex parties as you want. Maybe not. Not during quarantine. Maybe not during quarantine, and like literally hours before your video is gonna go out saying, "Hey, shelter in place," like <laughs> I'm doing, and then you know, six hours before he has a sex party. So do as um, I say, not as I do. That's yeah. the that's the Kyle Walker mantra. Apparently, uh, based <laughs> on what I based on what I read, he played he he paid them very well. So I mean, good for him. <laughs> To bring this all back under one umbrella, I just want to say this Good says luck. a lot about privilege, right? You know, Kyle Walker making lots of money, wants to have sex workers in a position of privilege. Those that are sex workers need to have money. They, they, they do not, they are not in a, in a position of privilege. Dembele, who's on the bench, you know, not in a position of privilege. Mourinho, Harry Kane, definitely in a position of privilege. So there you go. Uh, brings us back to MLS. So um, there was actually just a story uh, earlier today on ESPN. The MLS uh, was Dan Grabber and uh, was interviewed by interviewed by Taylor Twelman, um, and he pretty much said, you know, everything's on the table in terms of um, 
a season. He, he admitted that possibly doing a tournament style thing at the end of the year. Uh, he, but he also kept saying, trying to get his maximum amount of games played as possible. Um, we all know that that is a, uh, not going to happen. And actually, funnily enough, I, um, one of the first quarantine podcasts that we did, you guys weren't on it. It was me and Bill and, and uh, Bruce McGuire. Bruce actually said what his predict- prediction was, I think, was a tournament uh, that there's going to, like, in September, just play a tournament uh, for MLS cup, basically like they're just going to scrap the season and play a tournament. And I was, I kind of was like, Oh, that's that definitely not going to happen. They're going to play some games. Now it seems more and more likely um, that they're going to play a tournament though. I'm sure MLS is paying attention um, to what's happening in, uh, in Germany and England and Europe and, and seeing about, you know, restarting matches. Um, it definitely sounded like from the article I read on ESPN.com that um, they are MLS is planning to start their season behind closed doors, which is something I never thought MLS would do, even with all this Corona stuff. Um, MLS does not have the TV contract that the EPL and Bundesliga and La Liga have. Um, They make their money, game day tickets and game day revenue, Um, especially a team like Minnesota United uh, with their paying for their own stadium. They definitely need that revenue. So the fact that it seems like at least, the first part of the season will be behind closed doors, um, you know, means that MLS is, is going to be trying really hard to get games played, um, which means we may see them sooner rather than later. Um, but it definitely is not going to have the same amount of revenue that teams were expecting this year. So I don't know if you guys have any thoughts. If they did do a one giant tournament, including all 26 MLS teams, do you think they, they make pools and, and do it that way? Do you think, like more like a world cup or do you think like they go NCAA, you know, single elimination 26 team bracket, you know, a truncated 32 team brackets, if you will. Like, how do they solve that? I mean, I think it depends on how much time they have to stage it. Right. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think ideally, because you definitely want to have teams play at least like three or four matches of their fucking season. If Minnesota United um, gets put into a, 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 playoff bracket like how would you even number one how would you even see that would you see it based on last year's uh uh finish you know how would the how the hell would you see that based basically um and you know if minnesota got one game you know maybe maybe minnesota maybe they'd see it based on last year minnesota like maybe they get a buy they're one of the six teams that gets a buy into the second round um or maybe they play a first round game but then they lose maybe they are playing on the road and they don't ever play at home like the owners of Minnesota United are not going to sign on to a, a, a position where they play a season where they play one game and they don't potentially get any revenue at home. So I think definitely I would see some sort of, you know, pool. Um, maybe you do um, five or sorry, you do six groups uh, with four teams in most group, five teams in another in two groups and play it kind of like they do Euro qualifying style with a tournament after that. But again, it really, as Dan alluded to, I think it really depends on when you can start the season. So. One of the interesting X factors, less specific to MLS, but to sports in general, uh, that I hadn't really considered up until this point is there was an article in uh, PC mag today that uh, 33% of cable subscribers are at least somewhat considering canceling their cable subscription. If the NFL does not stage a season this year, uh, like we all knew that, 
that live sports is the thing that drives TV ratings. That's it's unparalleled, truly. Uh, so, you know, we know the incentive for the league to stage games. We know the incentive for teams to stage games. We know that there's a need on the you know the TV network side to sell ads, yada yada yada. I don't think I quite had pieced together that the cable operators are also massively incentivized to stage this. So, the more I think about it, the more people I talk to, the more. I'm kind of coming around on the idea that there might be an, maybe an ideal date that, you know, we've got a therapeutic, we've got widespread testing, that kind of thing. And maybe that's, let's say June 1st or July 1st. Uh, I think sports open before those things are ready because there's just flat out too much money on the line for them to continue. As long as the players are willing to play, they'll figure out how to make it happen. Yeah. I saw that there was a, uh, I can't remember where, what, who the source was, but it was it got pushed on on Twitter a bunch earlier today. But a bunch of like music people that I follow basically saying like they're suggesting like I think it's like the CDC is suggesting no festival type concerts until fall of 2021. Wow, like big like the big ones where you know there's tons of people and all that. So like your Coachellas, your Bonnaroo's, uh, you know Burning Man's, things like that. Things that are like that big. I don't think that will affect, I mean, obviously it, cause you can do, I mean, theoretically Minnesota United could even do some social distancing in the stadium. They could, um, you know, they could say, you know, set a, a distance and, and only sell out, you know, sell half of that stadium. Um, make, there's ways they could do it. If it would not be great for them, it would, they would lose money, but, but yeah, it sounds like the, so those big festivals are, they're being put on hold for over a year, 18 months, basically. So um, I think we're not, we're not through this yet. And I don't think we'll be through this for a long time, which is a crazy, crazy state of affairs. So, uh, so what you're saying is if I was planning to go to Shakopee for Soundset this year, that's not happening. No. Yeah, no, I don't think Soundset's going to happen. So, um, all right. So let's talk about some actual Minnesota United news. Um, I think cool thing, uh, if you guys, hopefully most of you are on the, who listen to the podcast, were a part of it. Uh, we had Jerry Tieson, uh join us for a select or sorry, not like that. A Zoom happy hour on Saturday. Um, both Dan and MJ were there. That it was it was fantastic, right? It was it was awesome. I mean, Jerry's for a guy who pretty much played one full season for United and then kind of had the second one decimated by injury. I mean, there's a reason Jerry's a fan favorite. Like that yeah. dude is just a class act. He's one of the nicest dudes in the world. And uh, he, yeah, he was. It was awesome to see him again. Yeah, I love how social he is. And one thing that I, I think a lot of people take for granted or don't understand about players. I mean, you look at Miguel Ibarra, very, very shy, you know, um, fan favorite, but extremely shy. And people that want to have more social interaction with players or, you know, Jerry was so great on Instagram, so great on Facebook, Twitter, all the social media, just very, very social, social person. Not all players are built like that. So when one comes along, you really, really need to uh, appreciate that and uh, take advantage of that when you can. So it, it was great to see him again. I enjoyed asking him lots of geography nerd questions about where he lives in Switzerland. Yeah. What team he plays for. So that's cool. Yeah, that's great. So um, I'm, I'm hoping I, I can get a, a, another couple of players. Maybe I, I'll reach out to Brent um, Coleman, um and see if we can get some other, other people uh, involved. Um, but yeah, we've been trying to do that, that happy hour once a week or so. 
Um, so keep an eye out. Uh, I, I did a sign up on a form because I didn't want to have the same, you know, uh, anti-vaping uh, propaganda <laughs> as posted on the first one. And then seeing uh, some uh, ladies' vagina um, was not uh, pleasant. Um, as much as I love vaginas, it was not pleasant. David, how did that work on your end logistically? Did I know that's more work for you, but did, it went, went it had the desired effect, yes? Yeah, no, it was super easy. It just, cool. if, so, if someone like wanted to come in, they saw it on on, but didn't sign up. That would be the only like we might we may have lost a person or two who didn't sign up. But I have I have all the people who signed up email, so now I can just send it to them earlier. So yeah, the more people who sign up, and then I can proselytize to those people and tell them about the Antichrist and how awesome the Antichrist is. So there's that as well. Also, this lube I'm trying to sell, I can sell them the lube. Um, it's all about collecting emails, MJ. That's yeah. the entire thing. It's This yeah, is all this, a scam. I was going to say, we're, we're going to start selling Advocare here in a minute, right? Exactly, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> so I, 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 Herbalife. Up. Herbalife for life, man. <laughs> um, so a couple everyone, other things. Everyone who signs up for our happy hour, if you get an email that says something about the 666 conference coming up. You know why you got that email now. Because we sold it to someone for drug money. And you should definitely sign up. Yes, <laughs> I, need, I need drug money. Um, all right. Uh, so the 2020, uh, 2020 MLS fan map just came out. Uh, Iowa is back in Loon Country. Um, hooray, we have Iowa back. Uh, but yeah, uh, did you guys see that on, on the Twitter? Yeah, I think the, uh, the best part of it is the LA Galaxy had no states. That's a, that's a win for me. <laughs> Nor did Orlando City. <laughs> um, so, so are you saying Orlando City has as many fans as they have winning seasons? <laughs> they do. Um, they do have one fan, uh, super rookie. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, who's, who's te- He's technically a Minnesota United fan, but he also cheers for Orlando when they're not playing Minnesota United. So, um, so yeah, so there's that. Uh, a couple of Minnesota United-specific things. Um, so this is official – um, Minnesota United committed $75,000 to the Neighbors United Funding Collaborative, of which I will say I'm, I'm, a, I'm a board member of that uh, advisory board. Um, Way to make that happen, David. Which is, yeah, that, that, that's money that's going to be dedicated towards um, business relief uh, for businesses in the Midway area, like sort of about half a mile, you know, circle surrounding the stadium, which is really great. Um, we'll be announcing some more stuff about that. Uh, probably at the end of the month um, uh, with how people, how businesses can apply uh, to get, you know, and what the grants are going to look like and all that stuff. But I just want to say we've been working on Minnesota United for a while to get involved in that fund. And I'm really glad that they decided to step up and do that. Uh, The other thing is Minnesota United is, and and Lina Health are are working with the American Red Cross. And they're going to host a blood drive uh, at Allianz Field, uh, April 23rd and 24th. Uh, from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. Um, you need to sign up if you want to donate. Uh, they're going to do it in their club, their like club level, and you know, obviously with social distancing and all that stuff. Uh, if you are interested in donating blood, um, either one of those days, uh, you can visit Red, Cl- Red Cross Blood.org um, or their donor app and use the code MNUFC to register. Again, you need to pre-register online. If you have the ability and capability to donate blood, um, highly encourage people to do that. Obviously, we have a we're in a, in a fucking health crisis. And so we are low on blood and things like that. So please do that if you can. Uh, and then finally, um, or sorry, Jimmy Watson, 
this is sort of not Minnesota United specific news, but Jamie Watson was officially announced as a color analyst for Nashville SC. Uh, he's in the booth, um, not on the on the field anymore. Um, that's a step up for Jamie, so good for him. And then finally, uh, the Dirt Clouds uh, have a Twitch stream. I'm gonna let MJ talk about uh, micro machine soccer. And I'm gonna go get another beer. Well, for just to piggyback on the Jamie Watson announcement, sure. for those that remember uh, Brad Baker, who did our video media yeah, for, whistle whistle and thumb on twitter yeah at whistle and thumb uh brad baker is also now he was working for the usl um and handling a lot of their video and now he's at nashville so he joins uh abu Nladi, eric miller um and, oh cool uh, i didn't know that My, michael the rocket reed and, and jamie watson so you know across a lot of different uh roles we we have a, like five Former former loons there and and iterations of Minnesota soccer. Yeah, Michael Reed was did he was he a did he I did he, he play for Minnesota United or was his second year of NASL uh, under Bill McGuire? Okay, okay, all right. Well, cool. Well, why don't you tell us about Micro Machine Soccer? Yeah, Micro Machine Soccer. Otherwise, you know, Saturday Rocket League supporter group cop. So. What's really great about this is the surge and from Houston and the dark clouds from Minnesota United, after their kind of, we just meet once for Rocket League, they reached out, they got six other supporter groups to be involved. And they're not all MLS, which makes it even more interesting. Uh, the soccer, the supporter groups were, that were involved, obviously the surge from Houston and the Dark Clouds from Minnesota, the Stampede from uh, Rio Grande Valley, and uh, Tigers from LAFC, La Cinco Doce from Austin Bold, the uh, Cauldron from Sporting Kansas City, Midnight Riders, uh, New England Revolution, and the Viking Army from the New York Red Bulls. So we had an eight-team bracket. They played three versus three, best of five, and just like you would expect in a U.S. Open Cup run, Minnesota draws Sporting Kansas City. Now, Inevitable. It, yeah, because why not? You know, milk that rivalry that should be for all that it's worth. So these Dark Clouds versus the Cauldron, Minnesota United versus Sporting Kansas City, just the way we wanted it. I'm going to, spoiler alert, like just speed to the end of the book here. The Dark Clouds team of Thomas Blackwell, a.k.a. T-Bone, Fred Emmings, like young goalkeeper, and Anson Parker, they just nailed it. They won the whole thing. They ended up beating uh, uh, the USL Championship side, Austin Bold, their supporters, La Cinco Doce. They made it to the finals, and we beat them in the finals. They win the whole thing. It was It was fun. Uh, Nick Rodriguez realized his true calling, which is not to play Rocket League, but to be a producer, did an amazing job at producing and uh, running the Twitch. Um, Anna, who we just had on from the Plastics, was the moderator on, on the Twitch. She did a great job moderating. Uh, and next Saturday, instead of Micro Machine Soccer, we actually get to watch a real soccer game. So the Dark Clouds are hosting a Twitch stream where they will show the 2011 NASL Soccer Bowl final, the first leg, 
versus Fort Lauderdale, right at the Nessie. Hashtag Nessie Nostalgia. Hope to see you all there online for that. That's uh, twitch.com backslash mndarkclouds, correct? I don't remember, so I'm going to go with that. You have one fucking job on this podcast, man. It's twitch.com, twitch.tv backslash mndarkclouds. MJ, you have one job, man. One hey, you wanted job. me to report on Micro Machine Soccer? I reported on Micro Machine Soccer. You said nothing about <laughs> memorizing URLs. Or or just fucking writing it down in the in the goddamn Google document, but whatever. Um, all right. So we're going to go back to MJ uh, for one saloon. Uh, MJ, why don't you take it away? Today we're going to talk about uh, Tobense FC or Tobense Football Club. It's based in Tombos, Minas Gerais in Brazil. Sounds German. Uh, now... Uh, Minister Ice is the same state oh. in Brazil that Belo Horizonte, that's the larger city that you would have heard of, Belo Horizonte. Oh, I thought you were saying Minas Gerais, as in, mm-hmm. as in three. And I was like, oh, Nazi sympathizers, cool. No, Minas Gerais. Okay. Um, oh, wait, wait, the Nazis went to Argentina, didn't they? Uh, not yeah. Brazil. All right, sorry. I derailed you. <laughs> there, are, there are a lot of Italian names. Continue. <laughs> In in Argentina, so so in so a little history about this club. They were in the fourth division, uh, known as Serie D in Brazil for the longest time. In 2014, they won the fourth division, moved up to Serie C. The th- the reason why I'm mentioning uh, Tobense is Saint Ibsen, our beloved Ibsen. Uh, is now playing for Tobense FC. No shit. A- after a, a stunning career that includes Brazil giants like Flamengo, Santos, Corinthians, also European giants like Porto, Spartak Moscow, Bologna, and of course, your Minnesota United in both the NASL and MLS formats. He is now in Tobense playing in third division Brazil. For those that uh, don't know how Brazilian soccer works, they have a kind of a cool system where you play a national competition in whatever tier you are, and then you play in a localized state competition. So if you can imagine that where MLS would be the North American, U.S., Canada organization, but then Minnesota United would play in a league that was just for Minnesota teams and how unbalanced that would be. But that's a lot of soccer. So that's how Brazil works. So last year, they finished uh, 14th in Serie C. Not great. But within uh, Campionato Mineiro, so in the state of Minas Gerais, they finished fifth. And since we're focused on the Ibsen as, as the one saloon, I just wanted to ask all of you, what was your favorite Ibsen moment? Yeah, I'll start. The, it, the, this was he with all the Perfect. goals and assists that, that he helped us score. My favorite was being at, at TCF Bank. Yeah, I think it was 2018, second year of MLS for Minnesota United, and versus Orlando, he had this go down on kind of trip and fall out on one knee, and he still on one knee did a, like this break dance spin move to get away from someone running at him, and then you know get out to make a, a safe pass to another loon. Yeah. 
My favorite Ibsen moment, I don't know. Like, I feel like Ibsen isn't the type of player that has, that they can be encapsulated with a moment. You know, it's not like, oh, that one amazing banger he scored. Ibsen was like, Twitch plays Pokemon, but like a real soccer player. I 100% disagree with you, Dan, but go ahead. <laughs> so my, my, my favorite Ibsen moment was uh, the flick. I don't even know if you can call it a flick. The, the <laughs> deflected half-touch goal pirouette thing he scored against Houston that he swears he meant, but I don't know that he ever saw that ball coming into his feet. But, like... It was off mean, his back heel. He did not see that ball coming in. <laughs> but, like, the fact that we can have a rational conversation about whether or not Ibsen saw that ball and whether or not he intended it tells you everything you need to know about Ibsen as a player, which is anything was possible. It was possible that he would make like an inch perfect pass to a bursting Christian Ramirez at Nessie or Zeller. What's the other side of the Ibsen experience? Oh, so I, I'm just going to highlight. So I'm, I'm going to put this, I'm going to put this YouTube link in, uh, in the, in the, the podcast uh, notes and description. Um, there's someone created an Ibsen highlight reel uh, on YouTube that is eight and a half minutes of just Minnesota Ibsen highlights. And who it's, sent that to you, David? Um, I just, I, I, I literally Googled Ibsen highlights. Oh, you, didn't, okay. you didn't send that to me. Um, okay. I Googled Ibsen highlights. Like, yeah, Ibsen, Minnesota United, I think back heel highlights is what I, what I actually looked for. Uh, and it popped up on YouTube. Anyways, um, so I'm going to put that in the notes. It's fucking great. The music is stellar. It gets really somber at the beginning. And the very first highlight, Dan, is actually that, that, uh, the Houston back, goal. The back heel Houston goal that he definitely did not try to hit. It just it like hit off his back heel and deflected. I bet it's the same video I sent you on text. It, it might be. be yeah. It might it might be. Yeah. Either that or there's two eight minute long Ibsen highlight videos, which is actually that's even for, more terrifying. That it's goal like, yeah, I, versus Houston, we all know that that Ibarra and Martin did most of the work. They had this nice give and go on the right side that, you know. Ibarra to Colin Martin back to back to Ibarra and Ibarra makes this cross and Ibsen and a defender are both cutting to it at the same time you know the defender is probably screening the goalkeeper so he can't see what the fuck's going on Ibsen probably got a piece of it but the look on his face of this sort of false confidence of yeah yeah I meant that tells you everything Oh yeah, you know I'm I'm rewatching. He definitely did not uh, mean to hit that. So, um, but yeah, actually MJ, it is. I didn't I didn't even click on your link when I I, just, I, I googled Ibsen back heel goals and it, when it showed up on my thing. Um, but to Dan's point, the the perfect the the, Ips, the most Ibsen thing ever uh, to me, which in, in my favorite Ibsen moment, it's it's not a great one for Minnesota United, um, but it perfectly personifies. Ibsen to me um, was this amazing back heel that he had directly to Alfonso Davies. Like <laughs> Alfonso Davies was like making a run towards our goal uh, in Vancouver. Uh, and, and I don't, I remember watching, I was actually, I remember where I specifically was sitting at the black card. I was sitting um, kind of to the right of uh, sort of the, um, so, you know, there's, that, there's like the two entrances to the dance floor, right? I'm sitting, sorry, sitting like just the left of like the, the far right entrance, probably sitting with like Bruce and, and Bill and, and uh, Andy Wanhofer and those guys. And um, I just remember like standing up and just yelling, what the fuck? 
and then turning around and walking away um, when Ibsen made this pass. And it was, it was the most perfect pass you could ever make directly to the guy uh, who was running on goal. And let's say, like, it wasn't like he was making a backheel pass to a defender, you know, to one of his fellow defenders um, when he was, like, 40 yards away from goal. No, no, no. He was, like, at the top of the box. So it was directly into Alfonso Davies' path. Alfonso Davies, of course, slots it for, I think, his second goal of the game um, and then proceeds to, uh, you know, get bought by Bayern Munich, I think, for, like, a record MLS fee, like, six weeks later. Uh, so that was like, that's the perfect Ibsen moment. However, I will also say in that same game, he had an amazing header and scored a fucking goal in like the 82nd minute. Like that is like the perfect Ibsen is like, yes, he did this really amazing, stupidly shitty thing, but it was amazing. And then he also like scored this like flick on header from a corner that you're like, how did you even get to the ball? Um, so that is kind of my favorite Ibsen moment, moment sort of like game in, in general, because that was Ibsen. Ibsen was so goddamn frustrating because he was clearly in most of the games he played with Minnesota, the best player on the field, like bar none, like every single NASL game he played in, he was the best player on the field. Now, did he necessarily play like the best player on the field? No. I mean, listen, we watched Ibsen fucking run around and or not run around a bunch. Um, but the shit he could do was absolutely bonkers. And even in a, most of the MLS games that he played in with, with Minnesota, he was the best player on the, on the, on the field in terms of like his ability and what he could do. Now, did he actually ever always do that? Not often, not as much with Minnesota and MLS. Um, but I'll, I'll shout out one more. And this is, you know, t- to highlight our, uh, our friends, uh, Meredith, who was on from the plastics, uh, the first goal that was scored in that, um, uh, Chicago fire St. Patrick's day home opener was an Ibsen goal. Do you guys remember that one? So yeah, because Miguel, I, Miguel Ibarra crossed the ball in Ibsen headed it. Ibsen hardly ever won headers, but he <laughs> fucking won a header and he, he was, was like unmarked. He was unmarked. And in the, and the Chicago goalkeeper saved it. I think it was, was it Lampson? who was the goalkeeper at the time. No. Who was the goalkeeper? I can't remember. Anyway, the goalkeeper remember. says it. And then, um, and then Ibsen, like, just it, it came, comes straight back down to Ibsen, and he, like, just toe taps it in, scores the first goal right in front of the dark clouds in, like, the 12th or 13th minute. And, of course, like, all of us, because it was fucking St. Patrick's Day, we're all hammered already. Again, this is, like, a 3 o'clock kickoff or whatever. And we just you got even more hammered, and we ended up winning that game fairly. I don't even remember what the final score was. I know we won the game because I know we were happy at the end of it, and I – was very drunk when I approached Carl Craig at townhouse afterwards or town hall, uh, town hall, not townhouse. Um, anyways. Yeah. So that was, uh, that's my Ibsen, Ibsen moments. Sorry. I hijacked your Ibsen MJ. No, I, this is why I asked because I want other people to contribute. And I remember that goal because it was so fortuitous of a sitter for that Ibarra cross and you, the kind of immediate change of emotions of this gasp of seeing the header going towards net and then the, Oh, the, the depression of having the goalkeeper save it. And then the immediate elation of seeing Ibsen get the rebound and have so much space on either side of the goalkeeper to slot that home. You know, it was like a roller coaster. I will say this about Ibsen when he was playing in ASL, I didn't see a lot of his brilliance. I knew that he, the only guy that is 
played for uh, in UEFA Champions League that's been on a Minnesota United squad. And I was just like, man, for his experience and everything, he doesn't seem to be making all that great decisions. And then I realized once he got to MLS, when more people are playing at a higher level, he brings more of his A game and things get more predictable for him. Like he kind of knows where his teammates and his opponents are going to be because he's playing at a higher level where things are kind of where you would expect. And he yeah. just, he just looked better to me at MLS. There, so if you, if you go back and we watch that, uh, that highlight reel, like the, the matches, uh, most of the, of the um, NASL matches that are on there are not necessarily him scoring goals, but like him passing. Yeah. You just, you can see some of the passes. Like, yes. I remember um, Bruce and, and Wes talking about this on the Nord football show. Um, and they were frustrated with Ibsen as well. I, I think, I think most like Minnesota United fans are frustrated with Ibsen from like the moment we got him, because it's like, you can tell the guy has a vision that, no one else in the league has, and he can make those passes. The problem was is that I think he was so frustrated because he would make these amazing passes, and then no one would be at the end of the ball because no one was making second post runs. They're fucking, no yeah, there. they're fucking they're, they're fucking Division two soccer players. They're not play, like they're not Porto or Spartak Moscow or Corinthian soccer players. They are fucking Minnesota United soccer players. So, like he's making this perfect pass, and it's like, oh yeah, he's like fifteen yards behind where he should be because he didn't make the, the run that he should have. So. I think that was the frustration that a lot of us had with Ibsen in the NASL days. And obviously when you get to MLS, there's slightly better players. Um, so I think people saw a little more of him. I, I, all, I, from the very first moment I ever saw Ibsen, I was like, that is the best soccer player I've ever seen. Wa- I've ever seen live. Um, and I think that is probably still true to this day. Like, I don't think I've seen a better soccer player live, like in person than watching Ibsen when he played for Minnesota United. Obviously, seen like Zlatan and all that, but I mean, maybe Zlatan, I don't know, maybe Zlatan, but I, I still think like Ibsen, for what Ibsen can do, I think I would put him, I would, he's probably the, the greatest soccer player I've ever seen live, so. Yeah, and so I, I'll throw this, this out there, because I, uh, I threw this into our text chat, and I'll sort of bring that conversation into the pod here. So much of what Ibsen did was opening up defenses with passes, as Zeller was talking about. I would love to see, obviously, the, the big counterfactual would be how good would Minnesota United in MLS have been if Ibsen had been, let's say, 26 or 27, like in his prime instead of you know, wow, 30, yeah. 36 or 37. But a little bit less of a counterfactual or a reality that might have existed, but for some uh, poor transfer matters. Uh, how much better would Minnesota United have been with a full-strength Ibsen, but then a, a true finisher up top? I mean, from what we've seen of Luis Amaria in all two games of it, somebody with his like his his vision to get into interesting positions in the box and his ability to finish the ball. I feel like that's where all of a sudden Ibsen goes from, man, this dude's super weird, but he's clearly super talented, to, oh, I get it. I get how this piece fits into an amazingly well, well-run offense. Yeah, 100%. So, um, so yeah, thank, hey, thanks, MJ. That was, a, that was a fun discussion about Ibsen. Um, didn't expect to have that. So. You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> all right, uh, we'll briefly touch on – so we've been circling around a couple games to watch um, – uh, we asked you to watch the 2016 U.S. Open Cup uh, debacle against Sporting Kansas City, and then uh, the 2002 World Cup uh, round of 16. 
uh, Dos Cicero match. Um, we're going to, you know, we decided we're going to fucking shelve the 2016 Open Cup match, mostly because that, that match sucked balls. Um, and we lost. So we're going to talk about a match that we actually won at, uh, or won, which was the round of 16 USA versus Mexico. Dos Cicero, uh, 2002 World Cup in uh, South Korea and Japan. Um, was this match in South Korea or was this match in Japan? I can't. I don't even remember. This is this is actually the World Cup where I fell in love with with soccer and specifically with Liverpool um, because of Michael Owen. Actually, as a matter of fact, so um, this was this was in, in uh, Korea. Okay. Jeonju uh, World Cup Stadium. Okay, I don't remember this. I don't remember this match as much. Uh, I mean, I do remember this match. Um, this is actually, you know, this, these matches were like always at like, you know, I think the first match kicked off at like midnight our time. Um, and so I remember uh, hanging out with my buddies. I had a, a buddy who was, uh, his father was from Brazil. So he was a big Brazil fan. And so we would get, um, uh, we, we would get cases of red stripe and then just drink red stripe <laughs> <laughs> at, at our uh, buddy's house, who's his mom was a nurse, so she worked overnights, and so I was not quite of legal drinking age at this point, and so we would. Uh, uh, but I was I looked old, so I would I would go and like go to the uh, liquor store right by um, uh, the old um, cop bar O'Gara's. There's a liquor store there, and I would just go in and buy like just a you know case of the bombers of Red Stripe, and then we would. And he his mom lived like three houses up from like, like right by that liquor store. And then we would sit and, you know, start drinking at midnight and uh, drink and watch uh, soccer. And so I remember watching pretty much this entire world cup at my buddy's place. Um, and uh, this is where I fell in love with, with actually with Michael Owen and Liverpool uh, and, you know, vaguely remember this U S run. This was a really, this is the best the U S has ever uh, done in a world cup. So um yeah, what, do you, what are you guys' memories of this World Cup and specifically this match? Obviously, I was elated that it was in South Korea. Also, compared to, since I'm a night owl, compared to it being hosted in, in Europe, the times work way better for me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it was nice when it was in Brazil and things kind of more lined up with our time zone. But, you know, it was like, I'm done with work. I'm done with all the activities like broom ball or uh trivia pub trivia or dinner parties all my social activities are done i can just focus on soccer now um and so it was it was great for me being able to watch both uh the usa and south korea south korea having their epic run and that's right uh, probably ruined ruined me for the next morning at work but but i i really enjoyed this whole world cup one thing I noticed from watching this game, they had they they ran a three five two, where one of the back three was a guy named Greg Berghalter, who was not a household name for me back in two thousand two, but he sure is now. Yeah, and uh, Ernie Stewart also subbed into that game. Yes, yes. Half the U.S. soccer apparatus playing <laughs> in the uh, in defense. You know, it's really interesting to look back on that match in retrospect and just to think about how influential it ended up being in the development of U.S. soccer. I mean, I don't think anybody's going to argue that it's quite on the same level as, you know, the World Cup being hosted here in 94, the women winning in 96. Um, but, like, 
to to make the quarterfinals for the first time since 1930, you had Landon Donovan bursting onto the scene. You really kind of had the beginning of that golden generation. Like the game, the game was incredibly influential, and it's not hard to imagine that U.S. soccer would not be in as good a position today, uh, as good a position as they are today, if the U.S. hadn't won that game. Which to me comes down to a somewhat controversial call in the fifth minute. Uh, you know, for one of the greatest games in uh, in uh, in U.S. history, uh, was that John O'Brien? Is that, is that O'Brien's first name? It's not Dave. That's yeah, the John O'Brien. John O'Brien. Dave O'Brien's the uh, the athlete about the same yeah. time period. Uh, goes in, studs up, and absolutely nails one of the Mexican midfielders in the seventh minute. Actually doesn't even get a yellow. And if you look at it on replay, very easily could have been a red. Um, I mean, he hits him like two-thirds of the way up the shin, studs first going over the ball. So, I mean, if the U.S. plays that game with ten men, they definitely don't win 2 nothing, and I don't think they win at all. That's fair. And, this is a- and uh, on the other end, the the captain, arguably the best player on the on the Mexican side, Rafael Marquez, does get a red card for a legitimately horrifying foul on Kobe Jones. Like that was yeah. shitty, man. It was late enough in the game where it didn't affect things. You know, we were already up dos a zero, but you know, yeah, hor- horrid to watch. I don't have a lot of respect for Rafael Marquez for a litany of reasons, not the least of which is he's. <laughs> has many many felonies he's a fucking <laughs> asshole uh, yeah <laughs> but like fouls like that are, are the type of play that i associate so closely with him that like yeah. whatever bad shit happens in that dude's life i'm pretty well fine with this was I, this was before marquez was you know playing for barcelona you know th- this was he, he was maybe a household name in mexico but he was not on the world stage yet um, this is before, you know, a lot of U.S. people knew him as a guy playing for New York Red Bull. So. Um, I also just plan, I'm just, I'm going, I went back to the, uh, the Guardians uh, uh, play-by-play of the match and they have, they have no mention of your aforementioned uh, seventh minute uh, John O'Brien studs up tackle, by the way. <laughs> oh yeah. Know, it was... So, um, so <laughs> was just saying eighth minute goal um, from, uh, you know, Speaking Brian of, uh, yeah, Brian McBride. Brian McBride, but Claudio Reyna, uh, father of uh, future men's national team star Gio Reyna, uh, started that. I will. I would be remiss if I don't mention um, that. Probably, I don't know. My the player of the tournament for me from the U.S. side here, um, and this is you know I'm showing my one of us bias, but Tony Sana uh, was the starting right back. Uh, for the U.S. national team, yeah. um, number 22, played all five matches. Um, and I, I don't know, the Athletic did their uh, put-together-your-roster, 1 through 23, U.S. men's national team. And Tony Sana beat out Alexi Lawless, who is, who's more famously worn the number 22 uh, for players wearing number 22, just because of the awesome tournament he had. And I don't know if you remember, but the, the goal that they scored against Portugal in 2002 – um, the, the Brian McBride diving header was put into the box by Tony Sana and created by a Tony Sana tackle um, and then overlapping runs. So, you know, got to also point out Tony, our, our good friend, Tony Sana being uh, absolutely, you know, amazing in this, in this world cup as well. So. 
his on the ball runs like typified you hear like marauding runs from from the back like that's what it was when he got a full head of steam with the ball at his feet man he was unstoppable that was a it's a blast to watch he was carlos bocanegra before carlos bocanegra yeah and yeah you you look at the the three back i mean so they played a three five two the three that were back were tony sana eddie pope and greg burkhalter all all great players i mean eddie pope in the center center back position was, was, you know, he stopped and prevented so much, but, but, uh, you know, Tony Santa was the one who really stood out to me when I, when I watched the game. Yeah. So that's part of my Minnesota bias. <laughs> I guess gotta just embrace it. So, so yeah. And this was, you know, obviously a, uh, the Dosicero, um, thing became a, became a thing. Um, and yeah, and this is again, still, you know, pre-19 or post-1930, the uh, the best run that U.S. men's national team has had uh, in a World Cup. So, and But for a terrible uh, terrible decision in the uh, Germany game, may have been playing in the semifinals. Um, but, you know. Uh, that, that, that quarterfinal round was bittersweet for me because we lost 1-0 to Germany and Korea beat Spain. <laughs> You beat Spain on, on penalty kicks. Yeah. Yeah. And what it would have been it would have been US Korea in the semifinals. Yeah, right? yeah, no. It I was been, I yeah. was looking forward to that, you know. Yeah. Uh I was gonna be having to deal with this conflict of can, can I get an American flag pin to go with my Korea t shirt or like how am I gonna be able <laughs> to rep both sides? Um something I've always wanted to do. I mean and they were in the same group, so they played each other in group. That's right. Uh, Forget about that. Yeah. But but the weirdest thing about like somehow we advanced from group stage after losing to Poland in our last group stage game, you know, like this World Cup, we we were we played, uh, we drew against Portugal two two. I can't re- I actually can't remember who won the the South Korea U.S. pool game. I think we won because that would have given us enough points to go through. Korea yeah. ends up Korea ends up winning the group. We would have won the group, but we lost to Poland. We did not go through. Yeah, no, um, it was uh, – I'm just pulling it up. Because it was weird because we needed to beat Portugal 3 to nothing, and you needed to lose to Poland 3 to nothing, and that happened. So, yeah, so uh, South Korea and the United States tied uh, in the match. Um, or yeah, so we uh, – we, yeah. Um, you went through with two draws and a loss? Uh. One draw, one loss, and one tie. So you yeah, guys went through with two draws and, and a win. Or sorry, two yeah. wins and a draw. Portugal had a win and two draw and two losses, and Poland had a win and two losses. So you beat Poland two to nothing. Uh, we beat Portugal three to two. Oh, we, we beat drew, Portugal? You beat Portugal. Oh, no, yeah. You, no, US beat Portugal. South Korea beat Portugal. No, yes, yeah. yeah. Beat Portugal one to nothing. We, and we, we lost yeah. We, U.S., drew Portugal 2-2. What's that? No. No? No. So, no. U.S. beat Portugal 3-2. Oh, my bad. South Korea and the U.S. drew 1-1. Portugal beat Poland 4 to nothing. And then the last day, um, you guys needed to beat Por- – South Korea needed to beat Portugal Thank you. for us to go through. We lost to Poland 3-1. to But – South Korea beat Portugal, and that, 
that allowed the U.S. to go through with uh, four points. So that was the – yeah, so that was that. So anyways. I do remember uh, on that last day, a lot of my U.S. soccer fans say, well, I'm really not that big of a South Korean soccer fan, but I am today. Yeah, I mean, World Cups make strange bedfellows. Yeah, they they absolutely do. They absolutely do. Um, all right, so what's uh to our final segment of the week? Um, we're gonna we're gonna not shit on the cribs this week, Andy. Um, you know, just you generally suck, so we're just gonna not shit on you this week. Hashtag shit on sluts. What are what are you guys? What are you guys watching, playing, doing uh, to get through the Rona? Uh, Dan, let's start with you. Uh, thing I'm watching that I highly recommend is the new season of Nailed It, which is freaking hilarious on Netflix. If you haven't watched this, it's a amateur baking competition and they give them patently undoable challenges like make a four foot tall rocket cake or like <laughs> make this incredibly intricate design. And then they give them like an hour to do it. So it's, it's a hilariously bad, um, I, I highly recommend this season. It's outstanding. There are two Minnesotans on it. Um, one of whom, weirdly, I went to church with growing up and <laughs> saw her like on an episode. Like, Wait, holy shit! <laughs> who yeah. who who host nailed it? Um, Nicole Byers. I couldn't remember oh, okay. her last name. Yes. All right. That's why. Yeah. I, like that's I knew. Like I knew that. So for some reason. Okay. Yeah. And yeah, she Nicole, does, she's she's fucking hilarious. She's hysterical, and she's definitely in her element on this show. So highly recommend the new season of that. Uh, and then for your uh, libation needs, Lawless Distilling Company in Seward, which is one of my absolute favorite bars in the entire world, but specifically in the Twin Cities, uh, is doing cocktail kits. And they're doing an absolutely fantastic job with it. So um, you get everything, basically everything but the glass, because they are a distillery. So you get your bottle of liquor and simple syrups that they've made and ice and garnish and everything. So at that point, if you fail putting the drink together, re-examine your life and perhaps repeat third grade where you learn the difference between <laughs> one ounce and two ounces. Cause that's about the, the only level of difficulty to these things. So highly recommend checking those guys out. Awesome. Excellent. Uh, MJ. People that know me know I, I'm kind of a tinkerer. I like to fix computers. I fix computers and bicycles as kind of a side hustle, but uh, I'm learning how to fix toasters. So um, nice. learning how to repair cheap appliances uh, give them an extra life. Uh, so, and, uh, yeah, uh, pick, your toasters, picking up guitar, picking up the guitar, uh, kind of like Bill kind of inspired me to pick up the guitar after months of not playing a lot of music. So feels good. Cool. Uh, all right. I have a couple things I just, I'm really looking forward to. So it's, I think it's this Wednesday. Uh, there's a show on FX, uh, which also a premiere on Hulu the day after called Mrs. America. It's about Phyllis Shafley and uh, her anti-women's liberation movement. Um, uh, I think it's Kate Blanchett is playing Phyllis Shafley. I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, I'm looks just really good. Yeah, it looks really, really good. Um, started rewatching The Wire uh, because of that podcast I mentioned uh, a couple weeks ago. Um, kicking off, <clears throat> again, I think on Wednesday, called Way Down in the Hole uh, with Jamel Hill and Van Latham. It's a Ringer podcast. Um, they're going to break down every single episode of the wire. So if you been meaning to start rewatching the wire or watch the wire for the first time, there'll be sort of like companion podcast, which was not a thing that happened uh, when the wire was originally aired. Like I actually 
funny story like i made my parents buy me a box set of the wire for my birthday one year and it was like 75 dollars it was like it's like <laughs> I, all the dvds so i have all five seasons of the wire in like this really awesome nice box set that i have right. ever since HBO, yeah ever since hbo now well they have they don't have a ton of extras on which is the problem now that ever, ever since hbo now started like it's actually in hd now so i'm like oh i'm not gonna watch that shitty sd dvd version of the wire that i have and no one wants to buy a, my, a box set of the wire so like i have this box set of the wire that's sitting next to my box set of the 1991 twins world series uh uh series so it's uh it's fun and then um i mentioned last week i'm gonna start playing football manager again i i literally have not played a minute of football manager since last week and i'm gonna make this uh i'm gonna update you guys on how my team, how Minnesota United is doing in my football manager every week. So I at least play like an hour of football manager once a week. So this is me holding myself accountable to play football manager and to uh, have some fun and enjoy myself and not like just be sucked in and reading the news and shit all, all the time. So um, cool. You guys have anything else you want to, you want to add? Thanks for pulling in uh uh, Jerome Tieson, uh for the happy hour. Thanks for pulling in the classics. Uh, this has been a fun week. Yeah, of course. Um, again, you can follow the plastics uh, underscore SG on Twitter. Um, Anna underscore Drina on Twitter. Goth Spice FC on Twitter and Instagram if you want to uh, learn more about the plastics. Um, DavesNO.com. Rate and review our podcast wherever the fuck you listen to this stupid shit. Uh, you can always get involved at patreon.com backslash Dave's I know at TDIKMN on Twitter. Dan is at D-Wade. MJ is at MJ Matsui. Bill, unfortunately, who cannot be here is at Bill underscore McGuire. I am at Tim Zeller. We have been the Dave's You Know This. Son. Long as you do yours, land here become fecund. Yeah, uh, we, we do yeah. our thing, son. Through the act, we attract two, hope to reach one. Uh, we, yeah. we, we do our thing, do it. Do it. We do our thing, son. Some will paint a piece, some will spray with a machine gun. It's mad work to be done. We, we, we do our thing, son. We can't do nothing at all. Y'all know we can't do nothing at all. Nah, we can't do nothing at